When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just to lay back down and say I won't be coming back Let's call it a heart attack Give me some of that knack This is just a final payback They all flipped on me Took to my passions, left me be When I had a place to sit Goddamn attitude to fit And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I'm not a right-wing wacko or convicted felon. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds from the underground. First-time listeners turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what. You at home choose to believe. I certainly do admire you for your curiosity. Live and direct right now on YouTube and later replayed on a whole lot of different places heard around the world. The podcast version of this program can be heard on multiple platforms. Please go to michaeldeacon.com for further assistance. Joining us tonight, Susan Martinez. Susan is an author, linguist, teacher, paranormal researcher, and has a doctorate in anthropology from Columbia University. Her latest book is Field Guide to the Spirit World. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Also, we are joined by a special host this evening, Mike Hideous. He has drawn special assignment this evening, and I believe he is here. Let me try to bring him in, folks. Hold on. Mike, are you alive? Yes, Michael. There you are. How are you, sir? I'm fine. I cannot complain. I'm so glad you are here, and I believe... Susan is also here. Let's bring her in. Susan, what's going on? Can you hear me now? I can. Perfect. How are you, Susan? I'm good. Very nice. And of course, Susan, we talked earlier before we started and you heard from the other Mike here tonight. Hello, Susan. Welcome aboard. Hello, other Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so welcome to the Michael Deacon program. Thank you for being here. I truly appreciate uh, you spending some of your time with us all this evening, Susan. Well, thank you for inviting me. No doubt, no doubt. And, of course, 
these conversations are always enjoyable when there's multiple opinions here, uh, so much more feedback. And of course, now as we get the ball rolling here, I'd first like to understand who you are, Susan, and what you represent. Um, the <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, I I don't know. I always have a a little bit of a hard time talking directly about myself. Oh, I know, I know what that's like. You know, it's a little weird. Um, yeah, uh, really, you know, it's not about me. But when it comes around to something where I can explain myself in relation to the material, I will do that. Oh yeah. Uh, so, Susan, what exactly got you interested initially in the paranormal? Was this something uh, early on in your life, or was this perhaps a topic that perhaps you experienced firsthand at a later time? Um. Okay, I'll try. I'll try to answer that. Um. I come from a pretty much, you could say, from an atheist family, Mm. uh, Jewish musicians in New York, in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York. Um, Okay, so that was how it started out. Uh, My career also started out in anthropology, which is something that, you know, kind of opens up the world to you. Yes. Um... Then I started getting, uh, uh, around the age of 30, Mm -hmm. um, I started getting uh, really curious, you know, uh, and and, um, curious about what life was about. Um, uh, In my late 30s, I got the OSB Bible, which has been my inspiration all along. Uh, what Bible very, is that? What uh, kind? Oh, Oaspe. It's spelled O-A-H-S-P-E. And um, it's a new Bible. Um, it's uh, irrespective of any of the known religions or, or in a certain sense, uh, it's a universal uh, religion that's brought, brought forward for this for this new time we're in. Um, that has been so um, such a uh, the strongest influence in my life. It is a spiritualist Bible, so that's where I began to uh, learn about the unseen world. Uh, and uh, really, uh, Mike, uh, it was very gradual. Really, it wasn't in, until my sixties that I began to write. I, I I just so um, um, I never use the word paranormal, but I know that's the way people talk about it. Well, I shouldn't say never. I do use it in order to communicate. Um, it's just the um, spirit world. Yes. Um, um, uh, the unseen part of life uh, that interests me and that I got very involved in. As a matter of fact. Um, this book, uh, I wrote eight books before I wrote this book. In other words, I was afraid to write this book because of the uh, general attitude um, toward uh, uh, spiritualism. 
but I finally, you know, I had to get it off my chest. Yes. Um, it's interesting so, you um, it's interesting you bring that up because that's one of the questions I did have later on was in terms of publishing uh, books about let's say the paranormal for example I did want to know if that's been uh, difficult at all um fortunately I'm hooked up with uh, inner traditions which is uh, accustomed to that uh, kind of editorial slant um so uh, that's uh, good but um that's uh, only one place and um there are a number of uh, publishers that uh, do go in for uh, works on spiritualism, but not too many. Yes. Um, we're in a terrific uh, minority here, but um, what I'm here to say is that uh, we're at a turning point in life and in society and civilization, and the uh, next place we're going to is um, the more spiritual one. Yes, I could agree with you on that. And as you mentioned before, going back quickly uh, on your parents, you said they were atheists, correct? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I didn't get any uh, religious uh, background as a child. Mm. So I had to find out for myself, yes. which is a good way. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh it's a good way for uh, people to um, get their knowledge is to go out and find out for themselves. That's true. And what religion are you, if if you don't mind me asking? We're called faithists, faith in the Creator, and um, uh, the um, the guidebook is Owaspe, the Owaspe Bible. Mm, mm-hmm. Yes, and now. You mentioned um, your previous books, and I checked out some of them, the other books you have written, and you seem to be very interested in a plethora of topics. You covered a bit um, of... Mm-hmm. We got you. We, we got to remain a generalist. That's true. This is the other thing. We've been too influenced by uh, the idea of specializing, which is nothing is wrong with specializing, but we have to remain uh, a generalist. And uh, you know, if you're if you're if you want to know what uh, what life is about, uh, you have you have to be you have to be a generalist, and you have to remain a generalist to to make any progress. I'm with you on that. And you Good. Yeah, I'm with you. And you to tag on to that, you like you like I said earlier a second ago, uh, you talk or you you've written about rather uh, ancient cultures and all this ties in with your latest book. All ancient cultures talk about the afterlife from those in Egypt to those in Africa. They all deal with spirits, magic words, shamans, the list goes on. And this mindset continued uh, throughout human existence, especially spiritualism and the communication with the dead, which was all the rage in the 19th and early uh, 20th centuries. Uh, Very amazing stuff. Yeah. um, Let me put it this way. Um, The, uh, let's see, uh, I would say uh, 
three of my previous books were about uh, were in the, more or less in the category of ancient mysteries. You right. know, um, uh, going back, you know, to the ancient cultures and the uh, uh, a lot of the mysteries uh, there. Uh, I wrote a book about a lost continent. I wrote a book about uh, the lo- lost history of the little people. Right. And I wrote a book. Uh, and I wrote a book uh, disproving uh, Darwinism. Um, all of that. Did you say? Uh, goes did, you into, say I, did you say disproving Darwinism? Yes. Yes. And why do you say that? Um. Okay. Uh, uh, because uh, Darwinism is um, a bunch it's of baloney. Really? Um, and if I can put it in a nutshell, or try to put it in a nutshell, uh, the, uh, uh, this, this is what the book is about. Uh, the races never, never evolved. All they ever did was interbreed. And it is the interbreeding, the hybrid man, uh, which created all the different uh, forms uh, that are interpreted as evolutionary forms. Um, It is not true. Um, uh, That was the biggest challenge as far as book writing goes. It took two years of research to get caught up with what's going on in anthropology and paleoanthropology and whatnot. But... Um, I really had to do that, uh, and it has already been done many times. Uh, uh, quite a few good books have been written that very uh, uh, successfully um, disprove human evolution and natural selection. Uh, anyway, um, do you really want to talk about that? But I had a, I had a thought that I would uh, try to put this in perspective. Those books I wrote on ancient mysteries, they're, they're kind of in a class by themselves, and I, uh, I'm, do- I'm done uh, writing them, and that's what allowed me to go on to the subject of uh, 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 spiritualism. Right. Um, I got the main points covered in those books about the ancient past. Now, let me explain why, um, how I got these uh, strengths the power to write these books. Uh, I became a serious student of Oaspe, the Oaspe Bible, which is a, a, a new phenomenon in the world. Most people don't even know about it. Um, I never heard the, of it. Uh, when I'm asked to uh, describe the contents uh, of Oaspe, I uh, sometimes put it this way. Uh, there are three main areas of revelation. Uh, in this book, which incidentally was uh, uh, channeled. Uh, It it was not written by man, but it was uh, angel written and channeled uh, through a mortal human. Uh, Okay, the three main areas of revelation in this new Bible uh, are uh, the records of the race, which is all this ancient history stuff, Um, a new science, which I've also gotten pretty involved in and writing about. And last but not least, revelations about the spirit world. Um, So I have all this at my fingertips. And 
the, and as a right, okay, now you, you're curious about the, um, about the paranormal, so I will mention that um, most of my associates in OASPE, in this new Bible, uh, and we are called faithists, uh, most of the faithists I know are uh, clairvoyant type of people, sensitives, uh, I see. psychic sensitives. Um, they're naturally drawn to the revelations in Oaspe because, you know, this is second nature to them. Um, I am in contrast to them. I'm not clairvoyant. I'm a scholar. I'm an intellectual. I, I came to appreciate the spirit world and the truths of the unseen in a mental way, you know, not by direct experience, but this is accounted for in Oaspe as a form of, uh, uh, as a form of indirect inspiration. In other words, uh, uh, it is uh, told to us that a, f a few of the prophets in, in the past, you know, Zarathustra, Brahma, Moses, uh, Joshua, etc., um, uh, most of the prophets knew they were guided uh, uh, by the angel world, inspired and guided, but a few of them uh, did not know, were not aware of, of their spiritual guidance. They just, you know, were who they were. Um, I'm, I'm sort of in that category. I, I probably have the guidance, but I don't know about it. Understood, and I never it's actually, all... I never actually heard of this before. So I'm glad Mike asked. Heard that. of what? The Oaspe Bible, you said. Yeah, oh, I just, I'm for, just looking it up thank right you for now. Pronouncing um, it, it was, correctly. Ah, no problem. It, it was written. <laughs> apparently, it was written in 1882. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, may, may I ask you a question, Susan? Of course. Yeah, jump um, in there. So, all right. So, you've written this book about spirits and, and the spiritual world. Have you have you ever experienced anything with the the, uh, the supernatural? With having ever seen a spirit or been involved in in something where you have seen something that's supernatural or phenomenon? Um, Mike, this is what I just finished trying to explain myself. That my approach to to this is. Um, is intellectual. I am. I do not have that uh, gift. It's called the gift. It's called the seeing. I do not have it. Uh, I what I have is intuitive understanding. The power I to see. understand, to open my understanding to what the angel angels are, are telling us through the written word of Oaspe. Um, you're talking to the wrong one if you want. Um, First-hand um, clairvoyant experiences, okay. because that's not me. Right. I, um, I can put you with people uh, <laughs> of that character, because, like I say, most of my associates are clairvoyant. Understood. And do mm -hmm. see and hear from the angel world directly. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and a lot of my research is about that. And the conclusions and the book and the chapters is about those things, but not based on personal experience. Yes. Okay, so if I may just ask you a question. Go ahead. I'm a little confused. Maybe you can help me out here. When w What you just said in your last sentence about um, – uh, you, you mentioned the word angels. Now, help me out here. Is the – I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Ospie. 
OSPI, the OSPI Bible. Is that connected oh, with OSPI. any sort of... Oh, OSPI Bible, yes, sorry. Oh, OSPI, I'm sorry. There we go, yes. Is, is that connected with any sort of... Um, like when you said angels, the first thing that came to my mind was like, you know, mainstream religion, whether it be uh, Christianity, Judaism, Islam or anything like that. So is there a connection between that Bible and that faith and, and the mainstream religions? Um, OK, let me let me um, let me try to uh, answer you. Um, I'm so glad you brought that up, uh, Mike, uh, because people need to get this clarified, you know? Um, right, right, so the way, I asked. <laughs> the, the way, okay, the way us faithists um, use the word angel is very straightforward. Uh, an angel is an ex-mortal. An angel is a person who lived on a planetary world in a corporeal existence like you and me are living in a body uh, and then uh, passed away and went to heaven and became uh, an angel. Well, what about, I mean, is that just the description of the, the OASPI religion? Or, I mean, if we're going to compare it to something like, let's say, Christianity, which you know, St. Michael and St. Christopher, uh, particularly St. Michael, was God's right-hand man who was never the, in the embodiment of a human. That was just – he was just always there with God. So that's why I asked. Uh, okay, was... okay. Right there is where we depart uh, from the uh, Christian religion in, in saying that, uh, that yes, uh, the, these figures who we're, we're calling angels are uh, once lived uh, on a planetary world. I won't say once lived on Earth because there are other, uh, other worlds that angels lived on and then went to, went to heaven. Um, so we depart from uh, the Christian use of the word angel right there uh, because, um, as they say, when, when they, uh, in some of the messages that they uh, deliver, they say, I am your elder brother. You know, in other words, they lived on Earth, and now they've lived for a hundred or a thousand or ten thousand years in uh, in the spirit dimension, and uh, still they say, "I am your elder brother," because once they lived uh, on Earth, on Earth as a mortal. Um, um, we, I don't fuss too much about other religions because what I'm learning about. The spirit world comes from Oaspe, and I can can count on that information. Is there some sort of a? I mean, this might sound silly or something, but I, again, I'm just asking, uh, and I'm not trying to take Go you ahead away and from ask. the. I'm, I'm not trying to take you away from the promotion of your book. Again, it's just a question. The Oaspe religion. Is there any sort of a church that is involved with this particular uh, this religion? Do people you know, gather for this uh, spirituality? Um, this is different than, uh, this is something new in the world, and uh, it's happening in time for the change, which is happening now. Um, we're undergoing a, we're on the cusp of a, a brand new uh, paradigm. Um uh, I think I'm. I think I'm uh, uh, 
straying a little far from answering your question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't. Um, we don't have a. Uh, we don't have much of a church. Yes. We do have some stuff going on. Um, uh, since the Awash uh, Bay Bible has been in the world for close to 140 years now, the main effort of the people who um, of the faiths has been to keep it in print. Um, and to keep little groups going, there's, there's a little group in England, uh, there's a, a, a little group uh, in Australia, there's some stuff going on in the islands. You know, we hear this stuff going on in Brazil. Um, it's just like so new. Um, we're so unorganized, really. Um, um, there are so many unknowns. Uh, but as a group, uh, I will say that some of my some of my closest friends are, are faithists. Um, it's coming upon us in a new way, and it's so hard for me to uh, uh, tell you that we have a group, we have a church. Uh, there is um, the funny thing is though that when I queried uh, Mike Michael about the your um, uh, telephone prefix, it was the same as. Um, our archivist who's in the Mojave Desert, and um, we've got a few, several acres there and um, a meeting spot. Uh, they just built a kiva for uh, meditation and worship. You know, they just dug into the ground and uh, built, and they're building something up there. So we have had, we had a center in Colorado. We've had center in California. We've had a center in different places. Uh, the history is quite extensive. Um, it's a ever-shifting thing. Things are happening so fast now. We're, uh, you know, the, the the old paradigm is is going down the drain so fast, so fast, and the new new is coming to replace it. Um, so that an actual group, I don't know, there's, there's plenty of stuff online. Right. Understood. Well, I didn't mean to, I, again, I didn't mean to, to stray you far from the promotion of your book. No, I no, just I was... love your question, Michael. Thank you. I just was a little curious because I've never, I've never heard of this book, and and I'm going to look a little bit more uh, this Bible. I'm going to look a little bit more into it. But again, back back to your book now. Um, so you you've written about spiritualism and 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 spirits and spirit guys. Are you surrounded with people that um, that do work in this sort of uh, field, or, or you know, are you just a, an author that writes about it? Um. I'm not surrounded by anything. Um, uh, it's a reach uh, to get to anybody. Uh, but uh, the other phases, yeah, um, they each doing work of a different kind. And uh, as I indicated uh, before, um, most of the most of them are. Uh, we have a word for uh, clairvoyant. The word is suis. It means a spirit. Uh, open to spirit. Okay, let me use that word. I prefer to use it. Um, so m most of my faithless friends are suists. They have that, the power. 
to see and hear from from the unseen. Um, they're all doing different kind of stuff. Um, one little group is doing um, shrines and dedications and, you know, um, cleansing and things like that. Uh, another group uh, has, uh, for many years, has been doing res restoration work, what they call restoration. Um, that has to do with... Uh, I, I joined that group at one point, and um, they uh, do some, what would you call it, um, um, oh, the word escapes me at the moment, I'm sorry, but they, they work with uh, uh, people who've been uh, infested with a negative spirits, and they, they work to clear that, that up. Um, there are others with the uh, spirit power who do um, their own kind of work. In other words, everybody is doing their own thing, and that's sort of a quality of the new paradigm, you know, that there's no really well-defined uh, channels for this stuff. We're creating new channels for this stuff. Um, some people uh, with the power are doing healing are interested in healing and doing that. Uh, there's so many areas that it reaches into. Very interesting. Yeah, again, if you go throughout time, you see that this faith healing was popular amongst uh, Christians all through ancient times. And um, I'm curious to know if you are fully on board with these individuals who claim that they could heal you just by... A touch. Um, I'm on board with them if uh, they really uh, do the healing. Um, I learned. But how can you prove? I that? learned that's, that's uh, to question. tell you the truth. I learned a little. I didn't learn anything about healing from uh, the uh, safest. I personally, uh, I'll tell you where I learned about healing. From Scientology. From Scientology, really. It, it's interesting again. It's interesting you say that because I was going to later later on in this conversation, I was going to ask what your opinion uh, was on uh, Scientology and uh, Mormons or Mormonism, rather. Um, I'm kind of down on Mormonism, so let's not t uh, talk about it. I'm on but board I'm with that. On <laughs> yeah, I'm up on Scientology. I had a very positive experience there many years ago. Really? I didn't stay. I didn't stay in the church, but I learned things that are a permanent part of knowledge for me from Scientology. And I'll tell you what. Oh, wow. I learned. I learned how to heal from Scientology, uh, and what you say is true. Um, There's a certain power of healing that uh, you, that a touch can just affect a person. Don't ask me how it works. But um, what I learned in Scientology is how to take away someone's headache. And I have been doing it for, for decades, and it works. Every single time, Michael. That's interesting. Every time. It has never failed, and it only takes five or ten minutes. Uh, it's called a touch assist, um, and um, it just works. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard uh, came to understand some 
basic things about uh, a, a disturbance in human psyche because he himself went through it. Uh, he was in World War II. Uh, he went through it, and he was some kind of genius, and uh, he put together a very practical system for um, recovery. I, I think that basically Scientology is good for people who need to recover. And what about those individuals who have departed from the church and have uh, relayed some of the issues they've had with the church, certain celebrities that have come out. You mean the Church of Scientology? Yes, ma'am. Oh, um, let me tell you how I feel about that. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I don't care. I mean, who, who's who is bitter and who is making a thing about the uh, the problems they've had with other people? It's none of my business. And I don't know, and I don't care. I don't think I don't think half of this stuff should be a, a public consumption anyway. That's true. It's because I had recently seen an article uh, with Tom Cruise and Scientologists. This is what this is what the article said that they consider Tom Cruise to be a deity. I just <laughs> I just wanted to get your take on that. Um. <laughs> Sounds totally weird. I can't even bit. understand what's yeah. going on. I don't know either. I don't know either. But you know, you've had. Uh, and Go ahead, sir. Part of, part of the reason we don't know what's going on is that the whole business of uh, celebritizing human beings right. uh, is idolatry, and it's got to go. It's got to go. It sucks. <laughs> well, I'm with you on that one. I don't disagree. <laughs> but Tom Cruise does make good mo good movies, though. I'm not going to lie. That's right. I like his movies, too. <laughs> how can you not? How can I like you, him, yeah. too. How can you not like uh, Tom Cruise and the movie Top Gun? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's a great film. Susan, may I ask you a question? Sure. Okay, so um, so these books that you, you're writing, you've, you've written a couple of them. Do, do you do this all on your own? Do you... Uh, do you, you know, I don't know, not to get personal, but do you work with anybody, like husband, boyfriend, or anything? Uh, all like any. I am absolutely alone. I see. And that's and probably so... that's probably the sacrifice I had to make in order to get this far as a writer. And why is that? Why do you, why do you say that? You 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 need a lot of freedom to, to write <laughs> yes. a good book. Yes, you certainly do. Uh, men and women could both be dream killers, as they say. <laughs> I've heard that a couple times before in the past. So right. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, yeah, maybe that's true. You, you definitely do need a certain level of focus and drive to achieve certain personal goals that you want to. So I could understand that. And speaking of your book, Field Guide to the Spirit World, your latest book, that is, I wanted to mention this. Uh, Whitley Strieber actually wrote the foreword to your book. He's a longtime author and, and fantastic writer. Yeah, Whitley, Whitley is so cool. Um, he... Uh... He, he he mentioned that he he was my first interview for the book by the way um a couple of weeks ago on his uh, what is it called unknown country unknown country yeah yeah something like that 
um, we had a wonderful interview. You can uh, look it up if you want. Um, he, um, oh, it's so great uh, being interviewed by someone like him. I really like Willie, yeah. He is, he is the living, he is the living proof of, of all of this. And um, we got to talk about his experiences as they corresponded to the profile I set up in the book. And uh, he figured uh, very well as um, okay. oh. a psychic, yeah. uh, a, a, a psychic whose whose mind, whose psychic mind was opened by trauma in early life. Mm -hmm. You see, that's one of the main themes of the book. I don't know if you got up to those chapters yet. Oh, I've been looking through it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 in most cases. <clears throat> the psychic mind, the mind that's been opened, the psyche that's been opened has been opened by early trauma in life. Uh, and it's so important that we recognize this and understand it. And I'm talking about abnormal, paranormal, autistic, psychic sensitive, uh, 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 uh all the um, all the categories that are explored in in the for the unseen um, for the unseen side of things, all of these categories even the um, even go into a, a lot of material on serial killers uh, because their behavior is so um, abnormal. Yes, we'll get into that Same in a moment. Thing. Yeah. Yes. I'll same definitely... thing. Uh, a trauma in the beginning. Yes, I'll definitely get back to that later on in the conversation. And of course, the word psyche comes from the Greek. I'm sure you know that already. I don't need to. It comes from the Greek word for yes, soul. Word. And going back to Whitley really quickly here, I definitely feel a deep sorrow for the man because of what he relays in almost every one of his single publications in regards to his late wife, Anne. Very sad. Huh. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think he's completely crushed. And who wouldn't be, you know? Oh, it must be. How yeah. long was he married for? How long was he married to Anne for, by the way, Susan? Do you know? Yeah, it was something, it was like in the 40, 50 year category. Yeah, and I've wow. noticed this with uh, other men um, who've been married for 40, 50 years and then the wife dies and they're, they're at a total loss. Yes. You know, and, um, and I just think, you know, hey, I, I've, I've been, I, we have to, we're born alone. We die alone. We die alone. We yeah. are progress. You know, we make our progress as a being alone, uh, although we join in harmony with the, uh, when we get to the highest spheres. But, you know, um, Whitley is doing better. Um, at first, yes, of course, he was crushed. And, uh, you know, they, they don't know where to turn. They don't know what to do. Uh, they're totally spoiled. They've had someone to turn to every step of the way. They've had someone to rejoice with. They've had a shoulder to cry on. Hey, what about all the people in this world who are alone, who never had it, or who don't have it ongoing? Yeah. Hey, what about them? What about us? That's true. Uh, for those that don't know, he claims 
that he's essentially in communication with her and those who aren't too keen on the subject matter. Some would see this as a little too wild and a little too unimaginable. And to be honest with you, there's a big percentage of older men and women who, once they lose their significant other, a large percentage of them believe full-heartedly that they are in communication with their loved one. Well, sure, you've got that, that especially if it's a long-term marriage, you've Word. got such a bond, yeah. both it, it becomes a mental bond. I mean, my, my pop, who lost you know my mom back in 2011, he was married to her for 50, oh shoot, I can't remember, 57, 58 years. So uh. he was distraught when he lost her, but he still feels that connection to her. So yeah, I, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from with that, Mike. Oh yeah, every time... Um, I, I hear him and then when he talks about Anne, it's just, it's hard for me to listen to cause I feel completely bad and I got the same feeling. Oh no. Yeah. No, I... don't feel bad because he's, he, he himself has begun to see the positive side of it. I mean, I talked with him just about a week or two ago, so I hear the difference now. Um, Whitley is a very uh, strong, uh, person. He's himself. Um, and that's that's important because otherwise he'd be totally crushed. He uh, he has uh, recovered to the point where um, he's uh, strengthened in his belief in spirit. Um, he does feel her with him at times. It's become a positive force for for him. So let's look at the good side of it instead of the drag you down right. sad side of it. And I'm with you on that end. I had actually seen him, I believe it was late 2016, early 2017 at a conference. And, you know, I saw him kind of alone for a moment. I was going to go approach him and talk to him, but I decided not to because I started feeling sad for the guy. Yeah, well, he was in heavy grief at, at that, that time, time and, yeah. you know, but, you know, um, the more you understand the spirit world, the uh, the stronger you are for people in this position. I mean, uh, I could go to anyone who's in grief and, and, and just go right to them and, you know, um, comfort them in a way that they need because... Uh, because the person is, the person has gone over to the other side. It's not the end. And by the way, I noticed that was the name of your end of days, end and of I'm days. curious what that means. Well, end of days, it's more towards the apocalypse. That sort of the whole theme of the program has a very op, uh, uh, apocalyptic theme to it. Oh, cool. So uh, we can talk on my next book. The one I'm writing now is sure. about, uh, the about the future. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I would love, love to do that. And of course, I'm not at all qualified to speak on what I'm about to say right now. I have no authority for this, but speculation is free for all. And I know you go beyond the standard psychological explanations for some of these behaviors you see uh, sometimes people get. In your book, you mentioned hallucinations. And for anyone out there who is in, in that sort of world, a psychiatrist per se, they might suspect uh, 
let's say Whitley, for instance, uh, no disrespect to Whitley, um, some would say a psychiatrist would perhaps say something like what he's experiment uh, experiencing is a bereavement hallucination. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I hear you. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to talk about this for a minute? Yeah, no problem, because I think it'd be important, uh, essentially, for everyone, really, to, to hear this part. Because as I was yeah, saying, yeah, because I but, was, as I was mentioning earlier with the elderly who lost someone, now they're widows, a good percentage to like 30, 60% of these people actually do experiment, experience these hallucinations. And I know in your book, you have sort of an answer for this sort of thing. And again, no, no disrespect to Whitley. I'm just trying to add more layers to this conversation, open things up more. Uh, no disrespect, Whitley. Of course not. If he listens. Um, <laughs> yes. Let me see. Uh, this is, this, I'm so glad you brought this up. Right. Um, and, and first of all, I want to address the business of uh, uh, recently widowed uh, uh, spouses. And um, the fact is that it's the intensity of that loss and of that grief that puts them in a frame of mind where they are capable of perceiving things from the unseen world. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, That has happened in dozens of cases, probably in hundreds of cases, probably in thousands of cases. That 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 the magnified grief, what it does to your soul, what it does to your spirit, it opens it up to what's just beyond the tangible world. Um, okay, now let's just move right along to this business of hallucination. Yes. Uh, because I tackle it in the book, and I'm very annoyed by it every time I read uh, psychology, yes. uh, and you will you will read this every time. Right. Uh, the, uh, even the schizophrenic. Now the the schizophrenic is a perfect um, sample of uh, the open psyche. Uh, the problem there is that the um, the spiritual entity that is uh, influencing. The, uh, the schizophrenic is also insane, you see? Um, um, so that is totally abnormal paranormal, totally abnormal. The schizophrenic uh, hallucinations are not hallucinations. They are open to the spirit world, and they're getting totally disorganized type of uh, 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 influx. Yes. In your book, you believe that hallucinations are often true impressions of spirit input, if I believe you said in your book. Absolutely. And and that's that's a whole different way of looking at things. Psychology um, has really ruled out the spirit world because you're not allowed to talk about uh, these things if you want to be taken seriously or if you want to be considered a science. And they want to be taken seriously and be considered a science. And therefore, the spirit world is just a no-no. 
so you have to create something and call it the unconscious and and blame everything on that. I mean, it's but, so ridiculous. Mike, go ahead and try that. Go ahead, not, Mike. Not this far believing in Freudian unconscious. There is no such thing. It's a construct that we have created out of our denial of the spirit world. I'll add on to that. Go ahead, Mike. But, but isn't that just like saying um, to a person who believes in religion, uh, be it Judaism, Christianity, or anything like that, that there is no God? Um, um, Mike, be more specific on how you're comparing the one to the other. I don't quite get what you're saying. I think I think what I'm trying to say is um, how you how you said the psychological world, uh, the, the world of psychology. It's sort of a taboo to talk about uh, spirituality and, and that sort of thing. But I, I would yeah. imagine it's more of like a. Isn't it more of a preference? I mean, if you're talking to one person who believes, all right, so if you're talking to a psychologist who says, well, mm. we're not going to talk about spirits because that doesn't exist, it's almost like talking to somebody who believes in, in God and saying, well, you know, God and angels don't exist. There, there's there's got to be some sort of a medium in between um, for people to, how would I say this, um, I guess respect the other's opinion or mm, okay I see what you're getting at and you're I'm, right I'm not exactly sure how I'm trying to put it but based on what no, you but had I'm just getting... said based on what you had just you said know, I'm trying I'm trying if your religion is psychology I have just really insulted you well actually exactly. yeah, okay. that's what I'm saying yes. if somebody <laughs> believes that you know if some a psychologists or a, psych a psychiatrist either one if if they believe that a person who's who's having, for lack of a better term, mental discrepancies or mental issues where they're uh, claiming to see ghosts or spirits or God, a psychologist and or psychiatrist is going to – they're going to cut that out and say, no, 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 it's – here, take these pills. Yeah, they're going to deem it – uh, that you have some sort of mental illness, psychological issue, right? right. That's that's what I'm trying to say. So, for somebody to say, well, the spiritual world is is real, and those who have mental issues are simply opening up because they can see, or talk to, or communicate with spirits, or God, or angels, or demons. That's debatable, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But can I inject one thing? This. This, this person still has mental issues, despite the fact that I've pointed out it's, it's a, you know, a spiritual uh, channel that's happening. They, they're still mental. Okay, I, I, still I a can problem. understand what you're saying on that. It's still a it, problem. I think, I think what I'm trying to say specifically, though, is that, it, it, you know, forget the fact that somebody might have mental issues. If if we're going to say that a psychologist is going to rule out that they are not communicating or having a connection with the uh, the spiritual world, mm -hmm. then you know who's to say who's right and who's wrong. In, in, well, in a, okay, um, it, it, it's very very uh, very fragile. 
I, it's very sensitive what we're talking about right now, and and you're right. Uh, but the but but the point I want to make right now, right here and now, is that it is our own inner judgment that will decide what's what's true and what's not. There's nothing beyond that, Michael. It's our own judgment. Let's count on it to tell us whether we're being lied to, fooled tricked or being told the truth it's our own judgment and nothing else and and that's why the creator gave that's what the creator gave us the creator gave us a a top-notch mind and the creator gave us free will and we can put those things together and decide for ourselves what the truth is and there's nowhere else there's no other authority amazing okay Point taken, point taken. But now let me ask you this, not to get completely off the topic, but what you just said right here now, you said, quote unquote, the creator. Now, is that part of the, uh, again, I don't know if I'm saying it right, the the Bible, uh, 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 what is it? Oaspa, you got it. It's part of Oaspa. It's part of Native American religion. It's part of many of the uh, world's religion to speak. uh, It's part of Islam. Islam recognizes only Allah, and Muhammad is just his messenger. Okay, creator is the top guy in most of the world's uh, religions. Okay, Uh, and I'm not um, debating that. What what I'm saying is when, when you said the creator, I was going with the question that you obviously believe in a higher power. So when I had said before, if there was any connection between uh, other mainstream religions that believe in a God, whether it's any of the mainstream religions, your religious belief is that there is a, a creator, a, 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 a top entity, so to speak. Am I correct Absolutely. in that? Absolutely. Of pardon? course. Yes, you are absolutely correct. Say that correct. again. I didn't hear you. You are absolutely correct. Okay. So, so then, yes, you you do have a belief in a higher in a higher entity. Okay. Yes. Yeah, it's going to come down to belief. Also, everything is going to shake when you shake that tree. The final thing is faith. Faith. Faith in the Creator or no faith. And the no faith is a dark, a darkness that the world can no longer sustain. That's why, that's why all these changes are happening now. We're moving toward light. We, and it's not, it's not just a, a, a thing. It's the planet. It's the solar system is, is moving into the part of the cosmos which has a maximum of light. And that's on Susan, a regular uh, that's on a regular basis. That happens once every 3000 years. That's what this whole new science is about, explaining uh, cosmology for the first Susan, no, not for the first time, but for for modern man for the first time. These things believe- are known to the ancient to the ancient Egyptians, to the ancient Mayas. These things were known and lost. Man has always believed in creator, and there have always been believers and disbelievers. 
Yes, we'll tag back onto that in a moment. Go ahead, Mike. I, I just wanted to ask: uh, Do you believe? Do you believe in uh, a devil, a, a, a Lucifer, if, if you will? Um, that's where the um, the the world's religions get sort of childish in personifying uh, evil as you know in a mortal form. Um, I will tell you what. How the faith is uh, define the faith is define uh, uh, evil uh, in a negative sense. You know, really kind of like the evil is the absence of good or the distortion of good. Uh, evil is it has also right. been called unripe fruit. That is the most generous definition of evil I have ever heard. Evil is unripe fruit. <laughs> and Mike, you you don't believe in evil. Um, well, as you know, Michael, um, my background is, uh, uh, it's rather a complicated one. I well, I mean, I, I know you're a Satanist, but I mean, you could still believe in evil without being religious in my opinion. Well, absolutely. I, I believe that all, all mankind is, is based in both good and evil and capable of providing both. Uh, right. If you if you have to protect yourself in a situation, right, right. Uh, you're you're you know you know if you had an opportunity where someone's coming at you and you have to protect yourself and you get an opportunity to pick up an axe and swing it at someone's head, you're gonna you're gonna do it if you have to survive. Uh, some people might say that's evil, but it, it's it's a survival mechanism. That might be a bad. That might have been a bad uh, example. <laughs> what I'm trying to say. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that all mankind has the is capable of sure, of, you know, providing good or evil. The dark um, and the light. Yeah, I'm with you. So on that. the only reason I asked Susan if if she believed in if there was a dark entity. Yes. To what she believes in is because I, I've always felt that if there's a good, there's a bad in, in whatever religion people tend to believe in that that's why i asked the question you know i gave you a textbook answer but personally i believe in evil yeah i do too not a devil not a devil no that's a that's a cartoon uh but i i, I personally i do believe in evil i've seen too much yeah there's just some oh, people yeah. that are bad the world religion. <laughs> yeah there, there's just some individuals out there who are just not chemically balanced correctly they cause all kinds of damage to all sorts of people without, right yeah without any um without any mercy really they they are just lawless lawless marauders out there mike you know that evil incarnate yeah, yeah absolutely the, i mean look at the world we live in today i mean there's so much hate and misery and 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 violence right. and war it's how you know and then for a person like me i sit back and say how could there be a god if there's so much hate and, and no violence? that's a mistake that's a mistake and i see people saying that all the time um god has no power over the right or wrong that you or i do i agree so yeah. don't blame it on god when when mortal Mortals do stupid and harmful things. Don't blame it on God. And I'm glad Absolutely. you say that. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we're having this conversation because this reminds me of karma. And certain people say, "Oh, well, that's karma." But I, <laughs> I, I always say, "No, I don't think that's karma. That has to do with the individual who lacks right. common sense 
Or, I totally or, agree, Mike. Or they did something along those lines. It has nothing to do with karma. I always believe karma uh, doesn't exist. I don't believe it either. Because if it did, this world wouldn't exist. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's yeah, just how I, I personally I, feel. I you, agree with you 100%, Michael. Do you feel that way, Susan? Yeah. Yeah, I like the spirit of that. Yeah, I'm glad we, we can all agree on that one there. Because, <laughs> I mean, like like you were saying, Mike, there there's so much ugliness in the world. There is. And, and, you know, and especially now with all the social media, you know, maybe 30 years ago, you had like news networks that 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 talked about news around the world. This happened. This happened. But now now you've got instantaneous access to anything, practically anything around the world. So we find out things like in the split second of time, we can find out what's going on in Lithuania, Finland, uh, Somalia, you know, everything's going on. We find out about it. And that's why we see so much more evil. If, I mean, we see good things too, but we see a lot of negativity and it, it kind of, it's an overload in my personal opinion, but we're getting off subject. Exactly. I agree with that. Oh no. Right? For yeah. me, that's not off topic. I'm, I'm writing a, a I'm, I'm also preparing to write about a tech lash because it's a real <laughs> it's my it's a real it's my black dog really we, I, my like, black I like dog. that we got to talk tech about lash. that yeah tell me about that before <laughs> we we dive right back into the afterlife I, I definitely had a couple more questions and a couple more questions about your book but yeah tell me about this new book that you are writing we are both uh, very curious um tech lash is it's so hot that you know it's so hot and it's so happening everywhere but um but due to uh cognitive dissonance which is very strong right now in the world it's not really i don't know i don't know how to say this but it's it's, it's just not no no one's paying attention to it uh in other words um we've reached a point with technology where really we're we're really not benefiting the the uh the unpleasantness is just every on a daily basis we each of us have unpleasantness because of technology and the Absolutely. point that it's gotten to Absolutely. Um, there's so much i mean the whole life has become one big technology story uh, I mean, I never, never wanted to live like this. I never planned to live like this, and I never wanted to live like this. And um, I feel that, I feel that, um, as a writer with some experience, I want to, I want to take whatever I've got uh, as that, and 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 deliver a message about technology, uh, because. Uh, uh, I really, and personally, I'm just so fed up with it. Personally. You and me both. Uh, but there's so much out there that needs to be uh, looked at and understood. And we, uh, in other words, in other words, the thing that uh, mankind lacks right now is harmony. And the thing that mankind wants so much 
to live by is harmony. And the thing that is coming for the future of mankind is harmony. And technology is so much anti-harmony. So much. Yep. Oh, I um, agree. I'm really, I'm putting a lot into uh, research and trying mm. to uh, put things together, but it's, um, it's just, you know, it's just in the planning stage, and I'd like to find out who's on my side. Well, the Chinese and the Russians, they are not on your side. They are <laughs> definitely creating. Right. We are definitely in a very serious arms race with both China and Russia over AI. Uh, both are very hard at work at creating a very advanced weaponry using AI. So, for those Absolutely. that for those that aren't aware, AI, look it up. <laughs> uh, EMP and cyber attack, all of that is so much. Uh, I mean, there was something in the news just the other day about a, a system that went down, and and they said they didn't didn't know what caused it. I can't recall what it was, but my red flag went off. You know, cyber attack. Ah, yes. My my little red flag went off. Um, yeah, the, this uh, this is this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to be happening, and we're all. I mean, it, it, this. I think 2019 is uh, the year that infrastructure is going to start start failing us big time, and um, we won't be able to catch up, and we won't be able to patch up, and. Uh, it, we were in for a, how about that word of yours, apocalypse. Oh, yes, we are toward, we're, co we're coming towards an apocalypse, and that's very true. All sorts of different we're things. We're in for it. Yeah, I, I probably would have to agree with you on that. Uh, we are headed towards these strange times, and uh, in terms of technology and the news, the mainstream media, and all the all the things that we are bombarded with, and nowadays most Americans don't even know who to trust anymore, and that's problematic. Do you agree with that, Susan? Bingo, bingo, trust. Trust. That's the right. other. That's the other thing besides uh, harmony. What I was saying about harmony, harmony and trust. Us. Human beings can't really live without those things. We 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 can't really live. We're 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 dead. We're dead without trust in one another and without harmony. This is not life. This is death. If I may, go ahead, um, Mike. Jump in there. Just for a moment, uh, Susan. You you with all due respect, you sound like a mature woman who's who's been around the block. I, I, I'm in my fifties. Um, I I have seen what's taking place with today's younger generation. And in some cases, I, I, I'm in places where I see the younger generation of kids anywhere from age, I'm going to just, just for the sake that I'll say from age eight or 10 to about age 25, maybe 30. This generation has grown okay. up with cell phones Facebook, the internet, iPads. and video games. Right. And what what I'm noticing is the decline in the ability to communicate and socialize. I see kids sitting at tables if they're in a restaurant, a group of kids. 
they're not even talking to each other. They all have their heads down. They're all playing with their either their games or cell phones or whatever, texting, going on the Internet, watching television. It drives me crazy because when I was a boy, all I wanted to do was go out, play ball with my friends, go ride on my bicycle, uh, hang out with mm-hmm. the boys, you know, go meet girls. I, I just maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe I just I'm at it. You're touch. not. I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening anymore. And this is what's this is our future. We're this a is bunch the, of robots. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I'm looking forward, actually, to this book that you're going to put out. I'm actually uh, quite interested in, in can, what you're going to write. Can you imagine if both of you uh, in your generation growing up, if you both had cell phones? I, I don't know if I'd be the person who I am today. Exactly. Yeah, I truly don't believe so either. Um, I was just yeah. thinking about that myself. If we had all this sort of technology very early on, and how different that would have impacted the world, since we're I, seeing we're seeing the impact now. I, I think what yeah. I'm seeing is there's there's two sides to this. There's the the group of people who are the technological technology geniuses who are creating this stuff. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. writing programs and mathematics and all that. These people are geniuses, don't no doubt. And and the technology itself is fantastic. The problem is, the other group of people are the ones who are using it, but they're not using it for its potential. They're using it for uh, pornography. They're using it for minuscule nonsense. Here's what I had for breakfast today. Here's where I'm going uh, this afternoon for a hike. Uh, you know, who cares? Who cares? You know, but there are still those people out there who are the geniuses who are creating the technology. It's the other people who are using it that don't always use it to its potential. Right, right. Absolutely. I had the exact same reaction as you do, Mike. I go to the restaurant and I see them with their heads down in their lap looking at the damn, uh, whatever, the Your phones. damn device. Yeah. Damn device, you know. they, they You are so right. And I'm going to repeat that. I'm going <laughs> to use that phrase you used. I'm going to use it as if it's my own idea. I'm going to steal it from you, that they don't know how to socialize. Oh, Go boy, right you, hit that, you hit that nail on the head. Yeah, a lot of these... They don't know how to socialize. A lot of the younger generation are very socially awkward. Very yeah. socially awkward. It's very weird. They're zombies. Yeah. They're little zombies. Yeah, I was it's... I was in the food store about three weeks ago. I was shopping and, uh, you know, getting my food and I'm walking down the aisle and I saw this little girl. She must have been 11, 10, walking down like behind her mother. She had her head down the whole time, just like the world is passing these children by and they're mm-hmm. just not seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, you know, what's even more upsetting that um, that uh, the uh, true uh, authorities and intellects and the you know the uh, uh, people with attention on them are not saying this, are not seeing it, are not admitting it. You know that it takes it takes a weirdo like you or me to, to <laughs> bring it out. That's very very true, oh, very true. And I just wanted to quickly add to that. 
that it's not just the millennials, it's also everyone, all of the American culture. We are riddled with people uh, just filled with ADD and just uh, the technology, really. I think it's caused a lot of people to just have autism to a certain degree. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. yeah it's really a, strange. There's a real tie. There's a real tie-in. There's a real tie-in. This is really, I, really the thing. It's the problem with society that we see today, the older and younger, everyone in the middle. The lights are on, but no one's home. Right. Yeah. That's actually you know, you pretty know, Michael, accurate, in my it, opinion. It's not, it's not just America, though. It, it's all over the world. Uh, and, and, but let me, let me be a little more specific. It's in – obviously, it's not in all like third-world countries that these people are poor. They can't always afford internet or, or cell phones. It's in the countries, you know, like it's in the continents of like Europe, South America, America, um, uh, Asia, uh, you know. You were right in the first place. It's all over the world, including the third world. Yeah. The first thing I I donated, um, someone someone got me to donate uh, a little money to a a village in Africa uh, recently and – and and um very very poor uh, people and i later heard that uh what the girl did with the money was buy a cell phone oh my god you know nice. um they were supposed to build a, a bathroom a toilet um i don't know if they got around to that but she sure got her cell phone and that is you know the third that's the first thing that the villager wants. Well, well Susan, well, Susan, she had to get her priorities in check there. <laughs> she had to keep up with the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, you know, I'm actually very proud of, of France and the Yellow Vest movement out there. Absolutely. I'm very proud what of that. What is that? That sounds familiar. Oh, the France, the, the Yellow Vest protesting that's been going on. What is that? I don't know it. I'm isolated over here. Mike, you've Tell been, me. Mike, you've been uh, keeping up with that, right? I got to be honest. I know what you're talking about, but I don't know all the details. However, a person did explain it to me, and these people who are standing up for their country, I, I got to say, at first I was very confused because I saw the rioting going on, and I didn't quite understand. I see these guys, you know, guys, girls, children, not children, young kids running around, and they're it's almost as if they were creating um, mayhem and, and chaos, but it, it's sort of the protests. I, I kind of understood when someone explained to me what was happening. Again, I don't know all the details, but these people are standing up for their country. So maybe you can explain it a little bit better, Michael, because I'm not fully detailed on it all. Well, they've been going at it hard for yes, I don't know have, what, like 20 weeks I don't weeks know exactly now? what it is. Yes. And yeah, I was just wanting to say these people have been going hard and fighting for their country. It has to do with tax. It has to do with a couple different things. And these protests have turned violent, as most do. And I just wanted to mention that uh, in terms of what, what some of these protesters have been doing, though, it's pretty naughty, though. They've been filling up bags of urine and urine and feces and throwing it at people, throwing it at, at cops, really. At the police there, I thought, Jesus Christ, that's that's all out. They're, they're going very hard. 
Yeah, in France. I mean, and France. Kind of, a, you got to draw a line at some point. That's kind of messed up. Yeah, they're they're trying to repeal what's called the green tax on diesel, and others want the current minimum wage uh, to go up. Uh-huh. It, 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 isn't it also? It doesn't have to do with the fact that they have a lot of it. Uh, they're taking in a lot of immigration, and the immigration is getting jobs, and they're not. Is that, that isn't too, that part of it too? Right. Hmm, that's the part I have a problem with. But um... it is interesting, however, that this is going on, mm. and we are definitely jumping off topic here. But that's okay. It's it's kind yeah, of what yeah, happens. It's okay. It, we want to talk about the world we live in. Of course, of course. I mean, yeah, yeah especially if you know, uh, Susan, you're going to be doing all sorts of interviews. You're not going to always want to talk about the same thing over and over. Right. Oh, you got that right. Yeah, so I I knew I could eventually break you away a little bit off topic here and have fun with you. Sure. Yeah. So another question I had for you was, oh, Mike, by the way, I'm sorry. Did Did you have anything else to add? No, sir. Nothing at all. I'm good. I thought I, right ahead, I thought I jumped in there on you. No, 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 you're good. Okay, my bad, my bad. Uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to quickly ask your opinion, and I think you've been following up on the news, um, right, Susan? Yeah. Okay, you've been definitely in there, I hope, and uh, we've been seeing a lot, going back to who we could trust in, uh, I guess you could say, the mainstream media. And which of these media outlets can we actually trust? We are seeing a lot of this craziness in terms of this case with Jesse Smollett. Oh, God, don't get me started. <laughs> Susan, have you, oh, have you been yeah, paying attention to that? that's on my mind. Amazing, right? Can you believe that? Right. That just I, blew I me away. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. I can't believe it. You do know that he um, – you did hear the reports that he is apparently associated with Michelle and uh, Barack Obama, right? Well, she, he's um, involved with Michelle Obama's aide. Exactly. Tina Shin, I think her name was off the top oh, of my head. Oh, yeah. Is that, was that her apparently, apparently it okay. was Michelle Obama um, who called uh, the lawyer or the judge or somebody. Okay. Uh, and told them to drop the case and or put a little bird in somebody's ear about dropping the case. So wow, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm 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 extremely pissed off about this. It's insane, uh, though. I mean, all this time, um, all this time, you have this even caught on video, uh, but still, I guess that's not enough. I mean, even even um, the, the even um, the guys you he know. Hired, um, oh, go ahead. You know, uh, 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 the other case. Um, the Smollett, okay, I, I want to make a comment about that, but I just thought the other case that uh, blew me away and, and that I'm following is the Khashoggi thing. Ah. Because that, if, 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 if that thing catches on, that's the end of the whole ball game right there. Right there. Because everything depends on our friendship with Saudi Arabia. Everything, 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 everything. So let me get this straight, Susan. You you support Saudi Arabia? 
No, I am saying that if the if the Khashoggi the Khashoggi case, you know what I'm talking about. Please fill me in. I don't know all the details. Killed and cut up. Oh, this is the reporter guy you're talking about, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, killed. Yeah. Go on. Go ahead. Okay. Um. All right. Okay. He. You know the basics of that story. What happened to me? He. Right. He had to go to the embassy. He. He was. They. He. They. He fell in love, and they were going to get married. Uh, he was living where in, in Turkey. I, I think. I believe so. And uh, he had to go to the embassy to get uh, his uh, permission for a marriage license. Uh, and that's where they killed him and cut him up uh, and disposed of him. Okay, but bottom line, um, you know, he was critical of the regime. Um, he was a, a well-known journalist from a great family. The Khashoggi name comes up uh, in history elsewhere, I've noticed. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is, um, okay, it all uh, boils down to uh, Bin, uh, Bin, uh, what is his name? That new uh, up-and-coming prince who's going to be the next king. Uh, uh, Bin, uh, come on, uh, Salman. Bin Salman, is that his name? The 32-year-old no prince whose dad is um, the king of uh, Saudi Arabia, but not for long because uh, he's failing. And this uh, bin, ah, am I saying his name right? Mohammed, bin Salman? Yeah, Mohammed bin Salman. I think that's his name. Thanks, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was behind the slaughter of Khashoggi. Pretty interesting stuff, yeah. I heard about and, that. And, and, was, we, mm -hmm. and we got to stay friends with Saudi Arabia. Guess why? Why? One, Why? one little word it begins with O. It's not about oil anymore. Not now. We're be we've become self-sufficient in oil. It is oil. Oh, it is oil, but I, I mean, have you also kept up with what's happening in our country? We we've become one of the, the like self-sufficient countries for for oil. Oh man, you know when they were when they were um flat uh. A fracking in um, West Virginia. I had a buddy who was um, following it and exposing what was going on there. And you know, that, they were shipping that stuff to Malaysia. They were shipping their product to Malaysia. Mm -hmm. So, so. I'm not quite I, sure I, I follow you. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Um, well, maybe there are other reasons we need to stay friends with Bin Salman and do well, Donald frankly, Trump I don't, needs I don't, to stay I mean, friends in my, with my Bin Salman. My personal opinion on this whole thing with Saudi Arabia, this is a country that suppresses women, uh, kills you for being a homosexual, um, uh, will also beat or kill you if you don't have, uh, you know, your, your proper... Uh, Muslim look uh, attire. I mean, th these are people who, um, in my personal opinion, are not good, moral, liberal people. Um, 
they'll they'll kill you at the drop of a hat. So frankly, I, I can't see why we would even want to stay friends with them, oil or not. I mean, you know, bottom line is this oil, no matter where we get it from, it's going to cause a problem no matter where we get it from. Saudi Arabia. Uh, uh, that's Russia. good. Maybe we should switch to <clears throat> wind power. The uh, Trump administration authorized uh, Saudi Arabia, by the way, uh, to receive American unclassified uh, civil nuclear technology just months after Saudi journalist Khashoggi was killed. And yeah, I heard that. Apparently, uh, the Khashoggi's killers received a training in the United States. This was just reported a couple hours ago. Wow. Pretty interesting. Oh, are you surprised? Not one, not one iota. Well, there you go. Very interesting uh, 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 plot twist there, really. And, of course, Donald Trump, very buddy-buddy with the Saudis out there. I wouldn't say too buddy-buddy. You think he has something up his sleeve? I well, I gotta say, I I think the man is all about this country. Um, I think what so too. he does with other. Pardon? I said I think he might be that way too, for all I intents think. and purposes. Yes. <laughs> I I think that his association with any country, uh, no matter. I mean, look what he's doing with with North Korea. That guy's a and a total asshole. And yet, you know, we've got to main. We're trying to maintain a, a relationship with them so that maybe, just maybe, we can get uh, a fifty-year war uh, to end and 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 merge the country so that they can. I mean, people are starving to death in Korea. Yeah, they got a great military. North Korea. Huh? Yeah, I've heard of starvation in North Korea. Very bad. Oh, yeah, I was just reading an article article about it today. Uh, yeah, they've got, uh, you know, they're like a million strong army. Uh, and sure, they've got missiles and this and that and, and, and guns and bombs and blah, blah, blah. But the fact is, their own soldiers are malnutritioned. Uh, they can go for days without eating. And when they do eat, they eat like three spoons full of rice. It's so weird uh, out there, isn't it? It's crazy. Mm -hmm. they, they have actors that... that um, uh, hang around in in certain areas of, of the country so that t when tourists uh, tourism, come yeah. through, mm -hmm. it looks like there's people that are busy in this business world that really is non-existent. Uh, so there's really no threat from North Korea. Aren't they you can, glad you live in America, not some third world country? I know it. <laughs> Amazing. Absolutely. You know they. <laughs> I they know can it. Say what I they want thanks about this to God. It's, I mean, a lot of people complain every day and, and they act very angry about this or that or the other. Mm -hmm. And they, they could scream to the cows, come home for all I care. They aren't born in a third world country. They should yeah. be very thankful that they uh, grew up in America. All right. This is right. It's pretty and, insane. Um, our prophecy, the safest prophecy, is that America... It's the land that is going to lead the world into the true, into the next be better civilization. Uh, and that the Native American is going to be an important part of that. Yes, the Native Americans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because how, how they never, the, the uh, Natives have a, a beautiful history. It's revealed in Oaspe. Uh, the, there's a beautiful book of uh, Hiawatha. You're going to have to go back and, 
and look up Owaspi some some more and get some more uh, further detail about that. Because again, this was actually the first time I've ever heard of it. Me too. See that? It's hardly known. It is, it's yeah. Hardly known, but I'm glad I'm glad you've heard of it now. For sure. And it, it definitely has incited my curiosity. And of course, going back now to the afterlife and back to uh your book here, I definitely wanted to ask you some further questions. Uh of okay. course regards to the afterlife. And assuming there is a life after death. And assuming reincarnation is not true, what does right. one do on the other side since, you know, eternity is a long time? We continue to grow. And the further we uh, get in our development, the closer we become, we come to uh, being uh, gods and goddesses ourselves because there are so many uh uh, worlds that need to be run by enlightened beings. Um, um, it's a eternal progression. Mike, anything to add on that? No, sir. Mike, you don't believe in the afterlife, right? Uh, personally, no, I don't. Not at all. Not one iota. Um. Well, uh, probably to a great disappointment to Susan, I do not believe in an afterlife. I believe that uh, we are a cosmic accident um, that makes the most of our uh, reality here on Earth. And when we die, we are done. That's my belief. But what do I know? Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. I'm actually an agnostic atheist. So there are times where I definitely do believe and times where I don't, but I, I definitely keep oh. God in my back pocket. Do you? Oh, just in hey. case? Just in case. You never know. You might have to pull him up one day. <laughs> At the last moment. You, you never know. Yeah. And you go right to heaven. You yeah. will. I, you know, I praise all the gods just in case we, we get just it wrong. Just in case. <laughs> just in case. Just like you know, uh, Will Ferrell. <laughs> belief is a totally personal thing. It is. Um, I agree. But um, there's something I want to say about it. What is it? Uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to say. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to say that the way to believe. Yes. Is to humble yourself. Uh, I don't think there's any other way to get out of your agnosticism. Uh, humble mm. yourself. Uh, just think of this vast universe and all the millions of worlds in it and all the beings in it, all the intelligence, and just humble yourself. Not that you don't have great powers, that you do. But, uh, yeah, I think belief is just saying... For, okay, for me, because you were you were asking about my background. You were asking me yes. about my personal. For me, uh, and I told you that I, I, I was brought up in a, you know, like you, atheist agnostic. Well, actually, uh, my, my mom was actually re religious. My dad wasn't, of however. Course, mm -hmm. Of course she was. <laughs> I could have told you that. Yes. I could have told you that. 
because we go from one, you know, we go from, swing from one, exactly. <laughs> from one the generation swing from <laughs> one extreme to the other, you know? I agree. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to say that um, for me, it was just, um, for me, it was really, I'm trying to admit that for me, it was an intellectual process and that I intellectually accepted the fact that there has to be a creator because this this is such an incredible miracle. Life is such a, it's totally incredible. I'll never understand it. Um, the Native Americans call the creator the, the great mystery, you know, and that's what I mean by humbling. Understood. Uh, Thomas Edison also had a curiosity about life and death theories. He is quoted saying, I believe that life, like matter, is indestructible. Pretty interesting. Uh, Thomas Edison was extremely smart, not a nut job, and he created something called the Spirit Phone, which he was criticized heavily about. I could talk to you further about that, but I think you uh, might have heard of that before, Susan. I've heard of it. You've I heard did. of that. Um, interesting. His parents... His parents were spiritualists, and um, and so he had um, he was firm in his understanding of the great mysteries. Uh, he was a believer to that extent. Of course, he devoted his life to science. Yeah. But at the end, you know, when you get toward the end of life, you um, the, your chances are better of becoming more spiritual because, after all, you're on your way to the spirit world itself. Right. Right. Uh, uh, he was 84 when he died, so uh, he had plenty of old age to, uh, uh, you know, retirement years to um, uh, to decide what he believed and to and to um, uh, mature. And he said some wonderful uh, things about his belief and about the spirit world. Uh, oh yeah, on his uh, deathbed. Oh he he you know he used his powers. He believed and he used his power, his spiritual power, to stop the clock at the factory at the moment of his death. The, okay, oh. so let's say he died at uh, 12.15. That's when the clock stopped at the, at the Edison factory on the, on, the, uh, on the night that he died. That's wild. Oh, yeah. There's some great stories connected to... Uh, Thomas Edison. I really, uh, really respect him. I would have loved to know him. And there was something, uh, there was something altogether cosmic about him because um, his initials, his name was Thomas Alva Edison. So his initials were T-A-E. And T-A-E is the ancient word. It appears in Waspe uh, as well. Um, the ancient word for um, the perfect man, you know, the ideal man, the man of God. Um, and Edison, Edison had those initials. Edison brought the world into the modern era when he electrified New York in 1881. And the whole world followed. Is that before or after he electrocuted all those animals? <laughs> Peter won't what like that one. What are you talking about? Oh, you don't know about all the animals he electrocuted? Uh, that was that was oh, that was for me. science, Mike. 
Yeah, I mean, he electrocuted a, 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 an elephant on uh, in New Jersey. Wait, <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, Coney Island. That's true, Coney Island. Oh, I didn't know about it. Oh my God, dogs, cats, monkeys, birds—you uh, name it. Uh, why it, did he, he do he, it? Why? Yeah. Was that your? Yeah, because you wanted to see how animals uh, reacted to. Um, alternate current or was it direct current direct current right um and oh uh, the most no, I... horrifying thing i read was when he electrocuted the elephant um on the the boardwalk at coney island high absolutely disturbing now in in one i mean i'm not gonna take away what you're talking about but i i got a major issue with him yeah mike is a big animal rights activist currently oh so he does not oh. like that whatsoever I already knew oh, that part, oh, yes. Oh. I knew Mike was going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have built built him up so much. That was like a Nine Inch Nails video, huh, Mike? <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Amazing. That was a great video, though. Uh, I, I get so disturbed when I read about that. Oh, I know. Just, Mike is I mean, very sensitive I, what, towards that. What I, I'm really with bothers me the most is how you, you know, you, 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 you're electrocuting Dogs, yeah, cats, everything. you're working your way up, uh, donkeys, uh, horses. And then what the hell do you have to electrocute? I mean, you've gone so far up the ladder. Why do you have to electrocute a, 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 an elephant? Not only an elephant, but in front of a crowd of people. What the hell was the purpose? Really? What was the purpose? Well, the Romans threw the Christians to the lions. Uh, wait, let's not, go there. let's not go there, Mike. I'm, because... I'm trying to joke with you here, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just uh, when I read that that article about him, it just really disturbs me. It's I very crazy. Yeah. It is very crazy. It's and disturbing. A lot of these experiments still go on. Well, not with electricity, but with other harmful products. Lot lots of these products still going on. Absolutely, yeah, it, it is terrible. Though. I'm with you on that. No one seems to be fighting about that, nor about the dolphins being slaughtered in Japan constantly. Long oh, and now else. they just in Japan just got uh, the right to start doing uh, whaling again. Are you serious? Yep. Oh my God. <laughs> now wait, you know what? Don't quote me on that, that because I, I read something where they were they had a uh, I don't know if they got it yet or they were going to get it, but it's something's in the works and they're going to start whaling again. It, it's sick. Oh my God. Uh, by the way, Mike, in the chat room, a gentleman by the name of Boss Man, he goes, Michael. What is Mike's view on abortion? I thought this was a pretty deep and dark-rooted type of question. I thought, Mike, go ahead and answer if you'd like. Susan, I definitely want to get your opinion on this as well, since it is a very serious subject. Uh, Mike, take well, the floor. Well, I'll just answer in one word. I'm against it. You're against it. Okay. Understood. Mike. Absolutely. Okay. Mike, go ahead. Uh, well, uh... I have always been pro-choice um, all through my life. However, uh, there is a new law that has been passed recently within the fa past few months that a woman is now – and I'm not sure if it's throughout the in all the country or just in a few states. I think it's just in Maryland right now uh, where a woman is allowed to have an abortion – at the fourth trimester. Am I saying it right? Fourth trimester? Uh, yes. Uh, which is, that is she correct. can actually give birth 
or be in the process of dilating to give birth and then has the option to kill that child. I am completely against this and I'll tell you why. Um, and this may sound really disturbing. To, I may make a lot of enemies when I say this, but I'm going to try to be as diplomatic as I can in explaining this. It is my personal belief that if a child has just been created through the act and um, consummation and a, a child is growing as a small, tiny cell, it is my belief that that child is not fully formed to feel pain or understand what is going on. However, when that child has a brain and is born or even in the last few months of its of its uh, uh, of its uh, what am I what's the word uh, when it's it's it, before it's born um, and it's growing and it's got fingers and arms, an embryo. I, yeah, but but I mean yes. bigger, you know, like in the Fe last fetus. seven, eight months. Yeah, fetus, right. Fetus, thank you. I, I believe that point, there should be a limit. If you're going to have an abortion, uh, if you're going to have an abortion freely, if it's going to be your choice to say, I don't want this child, you get it done as soon as possible. Exactly. If you're going to wait, the longer you wait, that child develops into a human, into a being, uh, a, a, a true human. And that's when I think there should be a cutoff date. There should be a cutoff time so that there is not uh, – I think it's kind of horrific. And no, now no, they, no. They, no pun intended. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think this this new law that they've passed in Maryland is is it's infanticide. It's infanticide. evil. That's evil in my opinion. It, absolutely. It's wrong. I think it's disgusting. And I think that uh, there needs to be a change. And how could how could anybody even consider that? There are certain I mean, you know, there's always a, you know, what if, uh, you know, for every cir circumstance, there's, there's always that. Well, what if? Right. Well, you know, I could understand if, if the if the child is in the mother and she's about to give birth and, and she's dying as a result of trying to give birth. then maybe you might want to have the child aborted. Then, yes. But. To, to have the option, if that child is born healthy and normal, why? It's infanticide. It's very terrible to even think about abortion. And I've always been pro-choice myself, but I definitely wouldn't want anything like that that late in the oh. trimester uh, to be even, even thought to be allowed, in my opinion. That's just way too late. Because under certain circumstances, I could understand the reason f for having the procedure done. But when it comes time to, you know, have it removed at such a later stage in life, in its yeah, life cycle, uh, yeah, that's just wrong. No, it is. You're right. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't agree with it at all. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, really. The fact that that even passed anything. Yeah. I mean, who, how sick... Who who are these people that made this pass? What 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 were they thinking? I mean, that's just horrible. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm a guy. I'm obviously I'm not a woman who can say, well, you know, uh, it's not your body. You don't know what it's like to give birth. Of course, I don't know what it's like to give birth. But I do know that 
having a child be born and then deciding, well, you know what? I don't want that kid. Let's get rid of it. Let's not feed it or give it anything or, or you know, comfort it so that it, it can live. No, that's just – that's murder. That's murder. It is. Right. That's, that's terrible. Why should we make – why should we make an innocent young life pay for our sexual carelessness? Right. Amazing. You know? Yes, amazing stuff. And, of course, Mike, uh, going back to what we were discussing here a moment ago about uh, the whales and uh, dolphins and all of that, there was a documentary that came out in 2013, I believe, called Blackfish. You definitely don't want to see it, Mike. Uh, probably not. Yeah, yeah. You're, I get really disturbed good. by certain things like that with animals. It's um, about yeah. It's about a well at SeaWorld. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It was a really good documentary. That. Yeah, it was. It was pretty disturbing to see dolphins being trapped the way they do it. Yeah, they bang sticks against uh, the water there, and it terrifies them, and they get them all cornered, and then they yep. just start to slaughter them. It, it's awful. I know I've 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 seen that footage um years ago. That is it's, that is disturbing. It is. See, it's, you guys are more faceless than you realize because all life is sacred and it just it just offends you and hurts you so badly to see animal life uh, treated like that. You guys have more faith and belief in you than you will admit. You're probably right. <laughs> I well, I'm a humanist. You know, I do care about life. No doubt. 100%. That's, that's a fact. You know, Susan, uh, I've told, I've told Michael many times how much of a, uh, a, a person I am, uh, when it comes to animals, uh, I have a heart and I've told him stories about how, um, you know, some, sometimes I'll, it's, it's raining out and I'll go outside and there's dragonflies getting hit by raindrops falling onto my porch and I'm out there trying to save them. Or, uh, you know, I, I'll see, a, a, I don't know, a, an ant <laughs> doing something and I'll save the ant. I'll, I'll capture spiders in my house and release them outside. I won't kill anything. He's a Buddhist. For, um, well, maybe, yeah. Kind of like a the only thing life. I do kill are, are like mosquitoes and Are parasites. you vegetarian? I, I've tried. I try my very best. Uh, I admit I'm not a vegetarian, although I do try my very best not to eat meat. And I do respect those who are vegetarian very much. Uh, I have a couple of friends who are vegetarians, and I, I give them all the respect in the world. I've had issues in the past with my health that um, I find that if I don't eat a little bit of meat every once in a while, I get very sick. You get lightheaded, Mike? No, I get very sick. Oh, uh, get with sick? all okay. the problems I've had in the past with I've had cancer multiple times, and uh, yeah, Susan. I've, yeah, Susan doesn't know that, Mike. You you definitely had this very crazy bout very early on in your life. Go ahead and tell Susan about that, Mike. Well, not to get into too much detail, but it's from far from as far back as when I was sixteen, I had my first uh, bout with cancer, and uh, ever since then, I've had seven bouts uh, since. Wild. Uh, and uh, I've had chemotherapy, radiation therapy. And, and you know, okay. my immune system is shot. Uh, as, as a result, the radiation therapy that I've had has affected me uh, uh, with arthritis, tendonitis, and bursitis. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, 
it's really been it's been something that I've had to deal with all my life since I was a teenager. Have you tried? Um, have you? Are, are you guys um, trying uh, is, uh, CBD? Oh yes, CBD oil very um, very vital for lots of people out there. Mike, have you used any any CBD oil at all? Uh, what does that stand for? That's a good question. I already, I already forgot what CBD. Yeah, ready for, Yeah, I know what it is, but I forgot what what CBD actually stands for. I, I don't know say, either. I, That's all they ever say is CBD. Yeah, I know what. Yeah, C, I, yeah, I may have heard of it. I just don't know what it is. No, I've never used it. Try it. People around here are really getting help from it. Really. Yeah, what is it? It well, it's basically the same compound found in you know in weed and but without the thc basically it helps relieve pain and reduces anxiety and all sorts of different things it, it basically gives you sort of like that uh drag down feeling very relaxed but that without the thc part mike oh i get it oh okay i understand what you're saying i i, I gotta say i'm not it's not so much i mean i got the pain is under control i, I go to a doctor every month and i'm i'm i i you know i go to pain management so I cope with the pain. Um, not to turn this whole subject over to me, but I, I'm I'm all right. I don't I I got enough THC. I'm I'm dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't need that. What is it? CBD. CBD oil. Yes. There, CBD there, oil. There's yeah. pills and there's oils. Since I'm in California, I know all about this. But yes, CBD yeah, right. oil. Though um, you could even be in Colorado and know more. Oh, that that's true. Yeah. Very true. Yeah, CBD oil that 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 is something good for a lot of people to use, especially if they don't want to test positive for THC. If you are concerned with your jobs out there, ladies and gentlemen, but yeah, it's very good for those who definitely need it. It's not a head high. It's a, it's a physical thing strictly. Right. Mm. It's, a, it's like a bit of a body thing, you know, when you're coming down a little bit, Mike. Well, that's the best way I could describe it without, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. No, I, I, I've heard of it before now that you mentioned it, where, where it's derivative from. But uh, I, I've, I've not used it. No, I haven't used it. I, like I said, I, I'm, I'm, I have a doctor. I, I go to a doctor every month, and uh, my pain is controlled. That's good. Yeah, very good. Very good indeed. And uh, Susan, going back to your book here, we, we totally forgot a few different things in regards to some of these questions I, I had to ask you in terms mm -hmm. of demonic possession. I forgot all about that. Yeah, yeah you, you wrote a little bit about that. Can you tell us uh, some things about that? Well, um, that's getting into the a totally negative side of overshadowing by uh, spiritual entities. Um, the uh, story goes something like this. Uh, not all uh, human beings, when they uh, pass away, uh, go um, to the, into the um, uh, first heaven, do not arrive into the parts of the heavenly world where they can be 
um, rehabilitated, trained, and moved along into the light. Uh, there are uh, humans who uh, refuse to admit that they're dead and hang out in the lower plains. Those are called earthbound entities in in the literature. And when they are of a particularly negative type and they can get under your skin or get into your aura, uh, that's when you have a situation that can be identified as demonic possession. Yeah, and what causes spirits to remain earthbound? Like I said, they don't believe they're dead because they like they like uh, Mike. They don't think there's an afterlife. So when Mike <laughs> dies, when listen to me, when Mike dies, he's going to be earthbound. He's going to be earthbound. He's going to he's going to say he's going to figure. Hey, I'm still thinking. I still have my mind. I'm conscious. Uh, I'm still me. I must not be dead. Uh, I, uh, let me hang out here, and maybe I'll find my body. Maybe it's down here on this earth plane. I'm not going up to the light. No, no, I'm not dead. Uh, I'm still thinking. I'm still alive. Um, and, and, and it is the uh, disbelievers who uh, inhabit and populate the uh, uh, lower, the lowest uh, heavens above the earth. The earthbound planes. That sounds like limbo. Uh, it's it's a lot like limbo because there's no into it. It's entirely chaotic, and um, there's no um, you know the the heavens, the higher heavens are highly organized and stratified, um, uh, laid out beautiful, wonderful pastures of plenty, and so so, so many activities. It's just going to blow you away when you get to it. But see, you're going to have a harder time in the dark, in the darkness, because uh, lack of belief becomes a um, uh, becomes a um, what is the word I'm trying to think of a a disability once you pass over. Uh, the the better prepared you are, uh, the better you've widened your understanding of what comes next. Oh, I understand. Uh, the better off you'll be. I, I, with all due respect, Susan, I, I, I have an understanding. My belief is, uh, you know, I, I've studied, um, I've studied uh, religions and and occult and uh, demonology and um, all of that stuff. Christianity, Islam. I've studied all of it for the last, oh, geez, uh, for, I guess about twelve, thirteen years now. And um, I mean, I, I've. You know, I think it's just a matter of opinion, uh, difference of opinion, I should say. Um, and what you believe is something I can respect. But what I believe is something that's not, you know, it's not the same thing. It's and it's what what I believe. You know what I'm saying? So it's just a, it's just a, a preference, I would imagine. OK. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not. I'm not trying to give you a hard time here. I'm, I'm simply disagreeing with you in the, in the sense that uh, if I were, let's just say, for example, if, if I were a Christian and I was sitting here having this discussion with you, I would probably have to say, well, what you believe in is blasphemous to my God. And when I die, I'm going to heaven. But when you die, 
you're not because you don't believe in my God. So it, it's sort of like the same thing. But I, I mean, I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm just simply saying it's a matter of opinion. You know, it's a matter of opinion. It's always a matter of opinion and of individuals. Right. I can agree with you on that. Definitely a matter of opinion because no one sees through your eyes. It is only you. Right. No one. Absolutely. Every one of us, every, all seven billion of us is a unique thing. I agree. And tagging back Not to... Not too alike. Yes. And, and tagging back to uh, demonic possession and exorcisms, it seems like there, there was a bit of a rise in exorcisms in Mexico and Israel, for whatever reason. Very interesting. I can answer that question. Go ahead, Mike. Unless Susan has something to say about it. Go ahead, Susan. No. No, Mike. Back to Mike. Tag your it. <laughs> okay, so um, it is my belief, based on what I've heard about these so-called uh, possessions uh, from people, uh, and, and they're saying that there's been an increase. Okay, so there's also an increase in our population on the world. And in that increase, there's always a percentage of people who have um, mental disabilities. And they see and or believe certain things. Let's face it, uh, as far back as the medieval times and even the you know early biblical times and before that, uh, there has been people who have – uh, their brain isn't exactly firing right, and therefore they see things or or, or believe that they are possessed in certain uh, situations uh, where they they believe firmly that they are embodied by some entity. Uh, so, to, just to give you a simple answer, it is my belief that it's this this. A greater portion of people who are so-called possessed, I think it's just an additional percentage of the population who is suffering from something. Some sort of I, mental I, illness. I, I, I guess, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, so I can't give you a, a definitive answer, right, but right. it is my opinion that it's just an, another percentage of the population that believes they are embodied by some sort of Spirit. spiritual demonic mm -hmm. entity period understood yeah if this was sometime around medieval times fifth to 15th century period i would have to say give or take they they would have burned you at the stake absolutely <laughs> they yeah, would have no, burned no you no doubt about it no doubt about it yeah even if if you're a clairvoyant or have any of these abilities we were talking about early on in the program would have burned you at the stake right away for being right. a witch yeah because because what humanity does not know and what frightens us we we are you know the first thing is to defend ourselves and and kill it <laughs> that's true and you, you you mentioned medieval times and that's where i went on that tyrant there um, amazing restaurant by the way that that place oh in in new jersey i uh, know well i'm not sure if they have one in new jersey i was talking about medieval times that sort of amusement type yeah there's one, there's, there's one in new jersey it, used okay. to be, it was five minutes away from my house and i used to live in new jersey i went there 
I went there in 2013 with a friend of mine, one of my guitar players. Isn't that isn't that crazy to go there? I I, I enjoyed uh, my time there it in was California. Awesome. <laughs> it, it was amazing, really, to see all the torture devices and all that. It made me think. Now that now this is evil. These yeah. are some evil mother effers uh, coming yeah. up with some of these ways to to just disembowel people really and and susan have you have you ever been there over in uh medieval times no i'm listening and fascinated by what you're saying and by the way i used to live in new jersey also oh mike you see there you go where where, where about susan i lived in um uh uh bogota uh patterson oh my god (laughs) that's where i'm from patterson Oh my God! You guys, wow, you guys wow. probably seen each other. <laughs> I I used to live in the a section called Riverside in Patterson. Oh wow! Where 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 were you in in that town? Um, I don't know. Long time ago, darling. A uh, long time ago. Well, you're in Georgia now, right? Right. I'm in North Georgia. This is where I ended up. It's real. It's a well kept secret, I, as I as I think of it. It's very beautiful here, wonderful climate, foothills of the Smoky Mountains. Uh, people are pretty laid back, you know. And they're not too bad. Um, it's, uh, it's you know very close to being rural, but uh, I'm in a town. It's a you know a town of fifteen thousand. What what size is El Centro? Oof, El Centro is really small. There's about 80 people Tiny. living in that town. No, not, <laughs> not 80 people. That's <laughs> so cute. Oh, no, it's actually a lot lot bigger than that. Uh, there's oh. there's at least 44,000, like 400 now, or probably even more than that. But uh, that was that was the population back in 2017, if I recall. But now I'm sure that number is a lot higher. Uh Really? Oh, Central. It's growing. Oh, yeah, it's been growing a lot. There's lots of. How come? I. I What's the draw? I'm not quite sure what it is really, but Mexicans. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. There's lots of people moving out here. Uh, wow. Yeah. I, well, it's very close to the border. Uh, what is it like? Five, six, seven miles away from the. Really? Yeah, it's very close. But there's a lot of people out here. A lot of people from Arizona. Kind of strange since people in the, in the media are saying that people are leaving California to go to Arizona. Yet I, I see people out here from Arizona, so it blows my mind a little yeah. bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Oh yes, it is very interesting, and this is a very very small town. It, it's a small town, but chances are you won't see the people you know. So it's like a small, big town type of thing. Kind of weird like that. If that makes any sense. (laughs) (laughs) I'm contemplating it. Yes, it's it's big yet small. Very strange. I, I know. I understand that. But yeah, it's it's not a good place to it's not a good place to live if you have um, what was that, Susan? Sorry. In in your current. In in your current in the Mojave, I don't believe I have. Oh, but the Mojave, uh, very it, beautiful. How about a Boulder? 
Boulder Gardens. Have you heard of it? I've heard of that, though, yes. Yeah, we've got something going there. The papers have started uh, something going over there, yeah. Very nice. And, Susan, before I forget this question, it, it's way off track here, but I definitely did want to get your opinion on it, and that was in regards to extraterrestrials. It seems like that's a a subject that has just grown as popular as ever in 2019. Everyone likes to talk about aliens all of a sudden, and some people believe that uh, these aliens are, are demons. What's your take on that, Susan? Oh, um, oh, wow, this is a, this is a, a, a separate, um, I can tell you, uh, that I think it's all a, a bunch of baloney. It's a it's a hype, and it's been hyped for different reasons. There are, there have been different motivations behind the hype, but uh, I don't think any of it is true. Um, I did get into a discussion of it with Whitley. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, on account of his background, and we got to talk about it on the radio together. And um, that was an interesting conversation. Um, he was uh, kind of thinking out loud, mulling over who are these visitors. The visitors, he calls yeah. them visitors. And um, we kind of we kind of agreed on what's involved here. Again, uh, I would present the whole case of visitors as entities. Um, from the unseen world, uh, ex-mortals like you or me, uh, who are capable of impersonating uh, gods, lords, um, uh, extraterrestrials, uh, people uh, from other planets, uh, high-raised masters, or uh, they are capable of projecting uh, almost anything. There are different powers we uh, obtain once we become, uh, once we enter the spirit world. We have certain powers that only pertain to the physical body, but there are other powers that the human being has when he gets into the spirit world. And impersonation is one of them. And so I think that uh, they can impersonate um, beings from another planet or gods or whatever they want to do. But um, I believe that uh, the powers that be here on Earth have a lot to do with the um, hyping of ETs. Understood. And it made me think of Aleister Crowley and his experience with a being that he called Lamb which looks just like a little alien. Looks just like a what? Looks just like a little alien. Big, big eye, big wide eyes, big head. Oh. Yeah, I'm not sure if you ever heard of Lamb, but... Um, I get such bad vibes from Alistair Crowley that I don't pay no attention. Understood. Mike, you've heard of Lamb, though, right? Um, off the top of my head, uh, is this part of the, uh, the whole, uh, Key of Solomon, uh, clavicle book or is this like separate? I think it has to do with Crowley wrote. Yeah. It has to do with a lot of different things that has some of it in there. 
Uh, Off the top of my head, yes. Michael, I, I, I don't have, I don't remember. It's been a while since I read up on Crowley. Um, but I do have several of his books here that I, I could probably look that up. Yeah, it's very strange. He was just doing something called the Amalantra workings. And he sort of, I guess, in his, in his own, uh, work, he physically manifested this being. Mm, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. I, I read about this many, 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 many years ago, but um, it, it escapes me right it's now. It's very I, strange. I, think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's very strange. There, there's been a lot of uh, these unusual characters in the occult world that have all talked about, uh, I guess, what we can describe as extraterrestrials. Are you asking you me that? Come. Call them what you want, but from my own point of view, yeah. any and all of these manifestations are coming from entities who inhabit the beyond world. Entities, yes. not um, not physical uh, bodies of people from other planets, but spiritual entities who have the ability, uh, some of whom have the ability to uh, manifest yeah, I, I just always found that fascinating that we've seen these sort of uh, characters throughout time, through even through the ancients, where they talk about beings coming from the heavens. Yes. Yeah, so I always thought, Susan, since you talked a lot about the ancients, that you would definitely be on board with extraterrestrials. Since the ancients all in their cultures, they had that embedded about these spirits uh, or me, people e from the to stars. To me, ETs. Yes. To me, ETs are are, are not um, a body uh, embodied uh, beings from other planets, but um, we have mistaken them for that. Uh, they are, in, in my opinion, uh, angelic beings who have manifested. Uh, here on Earth, in one way or the other. Amazing. And, of course, Susan, we are coming to a close very shortly here in the interview, and I just want to quickly add that I've I've had a lot of fun having this conversation with you. It's, it's been a delight. Me too. It's been fun. I, I told you it would be. Yeah, you were right. I, I've had a great time, Mike. I, I hope you enjoyed hosting uh, this interview tonight with, with Susan. Thank you, Michael. Yes. Yes, I certainly enjoyed our, our conversation this evening, Susan. The book is called Field Guide to the Spirit World. You can find that on Amazon, folks. And Susan, before I cut you loose, I did want to leave you with the final word. So if there's anything on your mind, um, anything going on there in your mind that you want to get out there, I would definitely like for you to relay that message. Please feel free uh, to, to do that now. Go ahead. How many um, um, listeners do you have, audience? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, really? <laughs> There's a lot. Um, okay. There's a lot of people listen to this, so that's a good thing. All right, thing. let me say what I have on, on my mind. Um, I recently got... 
involved in um, some activity that I had been involved in in the in the late nineties and uh, haven't been for twenty years, but I got reconnected, and that is the um, uh, uh, committee to a free Leonard Peltier. Are you familiar with the case? Um, very vaguely. He's an American Indian uh, of Sioux and Ojibwe uh, origin um, who is wrongfully imprisoned and has been so for 40, 44 years. Ah, uh, yes. Um, right. As a result of uh, FBI misdoings. Yeah. And we have not had a goddamn president yet to pardon him. I heard something. Someone told me about that, but I wasn't quite sure on all the details. And, uh, well, I'm back back working for for Leonard and uh, mm-hmm. helping out with the committee, and uh, I think um, one thing that we really, besides needing money, you know, for the lawyers, uh, the usual, we really need um, we really need some celebrities to uh, get. Uh, get on board get no, get, and get, get, the things notice. Mo- get things moving. Yeah. So you asked me what's on my mind, and, and I said it. That's what's on my mind. Perfect. Yeah, that's definitely what I wanted you to say. And you mentioned the president, and this brings up uh, another improv question here I have for you that just manifested itself in, uh, out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> the 2020 elections are just around the bend here. I definitely wanted you to weigh in quickly here before I cut you loose. On... I'll tell you what. Go ahead. I, I like I like uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, uh, okay. and I I think we need a woman uh, president uh, there because all hell is going to break loose in the next couple of years, and we need the uh, the practical mind of a woman to be uh, uh, to be running the show. Amazing. Uh, Susan, I want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program. I had a great time, and we will definitely be in touch again in the near future. Susan. Oh, that's wonderful. I had a great time, too. And this is amazing. I I told you this before, but everything has been Michael this week. Michael, (laughs) Michael, Michael. And now it's Miguel, Miguel. It's it's absolutely crazy, and I've been inspired to write um, an article on coincidences. Synchronicity, yeah. I think there's something to it. I think there is something to it as well, and I definitely look forward to any of your uh, future writings, and I want to, again, thank you tremendously for being a part of the program and wish you well on all future endeavors, Susan. Okay, that's absolutely great. Thanks for a great time. Yes, no problem. Have a great day. Yes. All right. Good night, Susan. Good night, Michael and Michael. (laughs) Good night. Mahalo. And there she goes, ladies and gentlemen, Susan Martinez. Great lady, great guest. Did enjoy talking to her very much. And Mike, I'm looking at the time. It's fascinating. Did you enjoy that, Mike? Oh, yeah. Fascinating. It was a fun, fun little chat there, right? Very interesting. Yes, sir. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I mean, uh, I don't know much about her history or, or I've never read one of her books, so I really don't have an opinion per se on, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to be rude or anything. Okay. I just don't know yeah. all about what she's, she's, you know, what she, her motive is with her books and stuff. So I, I'd have to read it to actually really get a better idea of it. 
Understood. And Mike, part two is coming up. I believe you're going to be staying around for that, right? Yes, sir. Amazing. I'm so glad you want to hang out. Part two is definitely coming up. And for those out there, it's now that time to go on a little break. Definitely go to the bathroom or get yourself something to drink. And when we return, round two, boys and girls, stay tuned. All right. Now, hold on one second, Mike. Welcome back, boys and girls. Here we are again on a night like this. Are you ready for round two? I believe Mike is ready for round two. Let's bring him on. Mike, what's going down? Hey, Michael. I'm back. Yes, part two has commenced here. And Mike, did you enjoy that little break? I certainly did, sir. Thank you very much. As much as I did. I bet you did. I enjoyed my break. <laughs> I always do. And what what about that interview just now with Susan? Uh, what oh about my. it? Did you enjoy that? That was... That was, was something um, else, right? It was something else. It was something else. And Mike, by the way, in the chat room, I do have a photo of you in your younger years. It seems like you are wearing like this detective coat and you're wearing this hat and your hair is very long. You kind of look like an extra from the Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Wait, a detective coat, you said? Yeah, you were like backstage in the 90s, I believe. that I got it off of your uh, personal Facebook page. Oh, is that the one where I'm, uh, I'm making a smirk? Yes, that one. I'm wearing a green army coat? Uh, no, this one's like a tan color. Hmm. I can't, I can't picture it. Your hair, um, your hair is kind of like a brown, it's black and with brown little streaks in there. Oh, it's yeah, it's uh, it actually was black with a blonde streak. Right, um, I figured. 
Yeah, that was, uh, if I'm correct, if I'm smirking, if I'm making a funny face. You are. <laughs> that was at, that was at the, that was backstage at the bank one night. Yeah. Uh, in New York City, a club I used to frequent quite often. Very, very good. And Mike, I understand you've been quite busy on your end. You've been, I guess you went to a conference today. Uh, if I remember correctly. No, uh, change of plans that all oh. that fell through. Um, what long happened? story, not important. Um, okay. but yeah, I was supposed to, uh, I was supposed to hit someplace up today. Not happen. Not happening. Didn't uh, happen. Okay. Well, no, no worries. No worries. And of course I did get a chance to watch your gig over Facebook, by the way. Oh, the acoustic thing. Right. Okay. What'd I you think I thought it was great. I was able be honest. To, be no, honest. Well, yeah, you got to love technology. I was able to watch you do your thing. You performed well. The vocals were solid, and the band uh, they sounded tight. And in the pocket, there it was well done. Thank you. I appreciate that, Michael. Yeah, you did good. And speaking of which, I think I do have a photo of of that gig. By the way, I'm going to throw it up in the chat room. And for those that are in the chat room you get to see that and those that only are going to hear back on a replay and only hear the audio this is another reason why you should listen to the show live where you get that sort of uh, element for the program um let's see where is that photo oh there it is yes yeah, so this is the photograph i was referring to i got this one off of your uh, facebook mic I wish I could see what it is you're posting because I'm. Is this on YouTube or yeah, it's Skype? on it's on YouTube. Oh, maybe that's why I don't see it because I'm on Skype and I'm talking to you through this, so I don't. I'm not seeing what what you're posting. Yeah, yeah, it's it's your acoustic set, and there's, I believe, a guy playing guitar right behind you on on a on an acoustic, and another gentleman playing an electric guitar. Okay, yeah. So on the left, uh, uh, on the left of me is a guy sitting down with glasses. That's Word. Johnny Nickel. Johnny Nickel. Okay. Johnny Nickel is the one who um, I have got very high regards for. He was the one who produced um, and engineered, and I should say, co-produced and engineered my record. Uh, the time has come. Um, he also did uh, some engineer work on the Spy Society album. Uh, helped me record uh, the one album, the one song that you play on your your show. Yeah, that's uh, that's something I forgot to tell the audience listening right now. If if you are not familiar with the intro I usually play, it's from Mike's band, and it's a call. It's it's a song called um, "Where Have You Been?" If I if I recall correctly. Yeah, and and mm -hmm. uh, actually, it's one of my it's one of two bands I did back. I did that particular song is from a band called the uh, Spy Society, Society '99, right. uh, which I did right after I got out of the Misfits. Um, the other photo and the music that you were talking about before that's my other band, Empire Hideous, um, which I have just recently um, I'm reforming. But if I may, just to finish up on what I was saying, Johnny produced. Um, he produced The Time Has Come, which was my last studio album for The Empire Hideous. And then he, uh, we did some engineer work together on the Spy Society album. And um, he's currently not playing in the band uh, because I've, I've 
after we did that acoustic gig in, in uh, on Halloween weekend, right? Um, a bunch of the guys had asked me, you know, if the, if I wanted to take it further, and having actually after having performed that, that night, uh, the, the guy, guy to my right, right in that picture, picture uh, Fred, the guy who's playing electric guitar. You know, he said to me, "Listen, you know, we we should uh, we should play again." And if it wasn't for Fred, I I probably wouldn't be doing this because Fred pressured me for um, about eight years. <laughs> really? Yeah, Fred has been telling me ever since I I I, I retired from music back in two thousand eight. He has been like up my ass, telling me, "You know, let's get together, let's form the band, let's form the band." So. I, you know, I owe a lot to Fred because he really motivated me into getting back into doing it. So, um, after that, we, we, um, we contacted Byron, the drummer. Byron has played for me in Empire Hideous and Spy Society. And, uh, we contacted Jeff Austin, who has worked with me since 1993. Uh, him and I were roommates together for some period of time. We lived in, uh, two different houses together with the band and uh we got a new bass player uh a guy by the name of joe rossi and uh guy is he he's magnificent he's getting all the new material and old material down um and we are currently prepping ourselves to do our first sonic performance on June 30th of this year, uh, we're going to be doing a benefit show for um, a guitar player who used to play for me, uh, who died. Uh, his name was Jason Trioxin. Um, him and I were good friends. Jason Trioxin was um, in, in nine, oh my god, in 1995. He when we first met. Uh, his friend Raphael ended up playing drums for me, and Jason became a roadie. Jason was a roadie for me for years, and I taught him. Um, I taught him how to promote himself because he started up his own band called Mr. Monster. Right. And um, I taught him how to promote himself. I, I brought him on his first tour, uh, and I taught him a lot of things about being in a band. And eventually, um, he went on to do a lot of great things for himself. Unfortunately, back in December, I forget what date it was. I think it was right before Christmas. Yeah, something like that. He, yeah, he uh, he died, and um, so we're doing this benefit. Um, it's two days in a row. It's the last weekend of June. Two nights. The first night has sold out. The second night. Here's my schedule for the day. Uh, the doors open in the afternoon, something like two or three o'clock. I'm not sure, but. A couple bands go on first, and then there's a band that's going to be playing Misfit songs. So they've asked me to do three Misfit covers. After that, there'll be a few more bands that go on. And then Jason's band, Mr. Monster, will go on. And I'll step on stage with them. I'm going to do one Mr. Monster song. And then at 10 o'clock, they're going to change the whole night. And then they're calling it an after-hours party, which is really not. But it's just after-hours. And then that's when Empire Hideous will actually take the stage for the first time in 17 years. By the way, when we returned on the break, I played that song from uh, The Return of the Living Dead, where the scene where the zombies are starting to rise, Mike. I'm not sure if you heard it. Which, 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 what's the title track? 
I think it. I think it's called like, ah, uh, damn. What's the name of the song? It's, it's not. It's, it's not, not the song, song from Forty Five Grave, is it? No, it's not. No, no, not, not that one. That's a great song too. But it's more of like one that you kind of. You could kind of tell exactly what movie it is once you hear that song. Like you already know the the, the movie once you hear Return that. Return of the Living Dead, right? Right, right. It's it's the, that, that was... one song where where the zombies are starting to come out of the grave. Oh, it's been forty five years since I've seen that movie. <laughs> I, I mean, I just played the song, but now I can't even find the the title that, of it here. That was Jason's one Jason's favorite movies too. Well, that's Return of the Living Dead. That's the reason why I I I played that one. Ah, yes, yes, it was appropriate. And, you know, I was listening to his band way back in the day. Mm-hmm. I loved Mr. Monster, and I, I didn't even know he played guitar for you guys, by the way. Yeah. For yeah, the longest time. First... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm just saying, I didn't, I had no clue. Yep, well, um, in I think it was in 90, 97 he had started it, I believe. He had just, like, begun forming it and then um he had already played a, a gig with me uh in empire hideous but it's too complicated to go into he he wasn't a former me- like a, a steady member and uh so then i got the gig with the misfits and at, while i was doing the misfits he was forming mr monster um did his first photo session in my backyard and um you know, as I came back, once I came back, I started Spy Society. Uh, after I lost my first guitarist, uh, Agent Inovo, um, Jason filled in as Jason, uh, as Agent Orange, and um, he played. Uh, you know, he played gigs for us because we didn't have a guitar player after the first year. You know, uh, once once the other one was gone. So and then after that, uh, in two thousand. Two, I believe, when we did, uh, when we reformed Empire Hideous and we came back, he was part of the band. He was the official, he was an official member of the band. And we toured, we did a tour on the, the West Coast. Um, and, uh, you know, he was on again, off again. But, uh, yeah, he also played, he also played uh, two gigs with me. Uh, one, I think it was... September, September 8th, right before 9-11 at CB's Gallery. And then he also played my last show um, on, 9, on 9-12. We had, we had two shows that week. So yeah, he, played, he played both of them, and that was that. By the way, it was this song that I played on the, on the break. I'm not quite sure if you heard it. You remember this song, right, Mike? Yeah, yeah, you remember that song. Of course. Yeah, that's what I played when we came back from the break uh, nice. for him. Oh, that's nice. I'm sure he would have loved that. Yeah, it's it's such a shame. He's gonna the benefit that we're playing. It's gonna be it's like a celebration for his 40th birthday, and he has left behind a, a beautiful wife. Uh, they had just gotten married. I believe it was a year or two earlier. Um. You know, she moved out here from England. Uh, he also left a mother, sister, um, and uh, he was too young, man. Too That's young. true. 
Very sad. Guy. Yeah, very young guy. And yeah. yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Definitely would have loved to have seen that that lineup. It's going to be a, a pretty damn good lineup. I'm excited. Um, you know, I'm right. starting to starting to get in shape. Uh, good. Went good. on a diet today. I started exercising. I'm cutting out all sweets, so I'm I'm trying to look my best. Um, uh, you know, so less of a less of a radio guy look. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's been years. I mean, it's been many years since I, I've taken the stage. Uh, the last, yes. the last Sonic show we we played as a band was uh, we played this thing called the Drop Dead Festival, which was like all these gothic and death rock bands in in New York City. Cool. At a place called uh, the Knitting Factory, and that was the last. Oh, the Knitting Factory, yeah, good venue. Yeah, the Knitting Factory. Um, and that was the last time I played a Sonic show. Um, you know, I played acoustic gigs after that for several years. And, you know, now we're, you know, we're just taking the stage again. There's no, there are no plans, you know, there's nothing set in stone right now. I mean, you got to take into consideration still too, that I am not the guy I was 20 years ago. No one is. Yeah, of course, of course. But right. my situation is like, you know, I've had all the cancer and the surgery and all this bullshit that is, has affected my life physically. So, you know, I really doubt I'll, I'll be able to do the things that I was doing back in, in, in you know, 2005, 6, 7, and 8. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I would expect that, that you wouldn't be, uh, have the sort of lung capacity you once did and that's going to, require you to uh, do some more you know build yourself up a little bit before you are in shape for the stage and speaking yeah. of yeah speaking of which by the way i do have a photograph of you uh, which i believe was the south american tour judging from this photograph i have up here it's you on stage with the misfits okay uh possibly yeah yeah um, you, uh, have very long hair and you, I could tell you're, you know, they kind of toned you down just a little bit there from the usual look, Mike. Most likely. Yeah. But it's a, it's a great photograph of you okay. wearing, wearing a lot of bondage there. <laughs> um, the, actually the, the, um, the harness that I'm wearing the harness, was actually right. custom, was custom made for me. Um, I knew a leather maker back in the day and he had made that for me and I had, I begun war, I had begun to wear it on stage back in, in the, in the nineties. Um, but, uh, when I joined up with the misfits, uh, I, I wore that with that sort of like that fishnet thing going on underneath it. And, and that was because I was trying to emulate Danzig when he would wear something like a fishnet shirt or like a woman's see-through uh, uh, shirt or something. Um, that's what I was going for. That's what I was trying to go for. I, I was trying to take my inspiration from Glenn Danzig and incorporate it into the new Misfits because let's face it, the band was it's bubblegum rock, really, uh, especially back when they had, when they had uh, Graves and and uh, uh, Jerry was trying to promote it as a a uh, positive a positive thing for youth. Well, I mean, I mean, you still have to give him credit 
uh, Michael Graves in the sense that it was a lot better than anything that uh, Jerry only could do. I mean, his singing is awful. Jerry's? Yeah, I don't. I hate his voice, by the way. Yeah, he's tone deaf. Uh, it's he, awful. His the newer yeah. albums they released the uh, what was that the Project Fifties, whatever it was called. That thing was just not. It was just straight yeah. up trash. Let me tell you something. I, when, <laughs> when I joined, when I joined in 1998, I I was given a list of songs to sing, and now I knew all the old stuff because I had been a Misfit fan since I was, uh, golly, uh, I think 17 years old. Right. And you know, I was a young punk rocker back then, and so I had grown up with those songs. Uh, I was like the biggest Misfits fan in my entire town of Patterson, and. Um, so when they gave me a list of songs to do for the tour, uh, I think it was something like 30 or 35 songs. A lot of the new songs, I, I didn't have the album. In fact, actually, I had it. I had never listened to it. I, I, I really – I couldn't stand it. Um, and you know, when I did listen to it, I felt that there was no um, – there was no spark to it in my personal opinion. So a lot of – you know, I – a lot of people had said to me who I know, they're like, you know, when you joined the Misfits, they said, you gave them that street cred that they needed. And I really took that as a compliment um, because I sincerely felt that they were lacking something. Right. And, you know, the, the newer generation of kids that are into them, they don't know what the original Misfits were like. They only know the incarnation of Michael Graves with with the misfits True. and then you know and now jerry with it but you know whatever that's that's history that's, that is history right that's history that's all that was 20 years ago right and it's interesting because in the chat room uh oscar in the chat room goes i just remember danzig getting punched so there's a lot of uh generations out there who only remember danzig from getting knocked out from one of the band members, and I think the band was called Northside Kings. Yeah, but you know what? That, that's just that was behind the scenes. I mean, Glenn, Glenn did fantastic for himself after the Misfits. Oh, of course, of course, uh, you know, once, no doubt. Once Sam Hain had split up, uh, and he, you know, he got the the deal with uh, Geffen Records through Rick Rubin with Danzig. I mean, the guy had a they had a number one hit, Mother. You know. The damn good song. Kane and Mother, the two biggest hits that they had, that catapulted him into the starlight. Plus, he had Meta bands like Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer, all wearing his his T-shirts. And then you know you get these fans who were Slayer fans or Metallica fans saying, "Who's Sam Hain? Who are the Misfits?" And that is how Glenn got his fame. You know, I respect Glenn with the, you know, of course, with all my my. I'm sorry. Oh, I was saying, of course, yeah. Yeah, Glenn, he's done a good Glenn job. Is a huge inspiration to me for his success. Um, and I'll tell you, I give him credit uh, for what he's done. But I got to tell you, on the other hand, I I am rather disappointed that he did a reunion with the guys. Oh, that's However, true. In Chicago, right? A couple of places. A couple of places. Okay. Uh, but you know what? Money talks. Oh, oh, of course, man. Of course, I never once thought. Uh, they would actually do the whole thing uh, together, a reunion. But as you said, money talks. You know, in my book, um, I wrote a book called uh, King of an Empire to the Shoes of a Misfit. 
Um, it's still available. It, it's uh, available on my, my uh, Facebook page and my website, mykidious.com. My point is I wrote an article uh, in there, and it, 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 it's an interview that I had done with Glenn. And I asked him way back when, would you ever do a, a reunion? And he was like, hell no, never. I'll never, have, I'll never play with Jerry and, and that band again. He didn't have to. He had his own, his own success. Um, he didn't need the Misfits anymore. However, now they are getting paid a substantial amount of money. And uh, like I said, you know, money talks. I have the image right now of the second edition of King of an Empire to the Shoes of a Misfit. And it's you floating in the air there. <laughs> yes. I love that photo. You, you, you're like Chris Angel in that photo. <laughs> uh, the guy who photographed that is a, a guy named Kyle Cassidy uh, from Philadelphia. He is one of the best photographers I have ever I've ever worked with. Um, he's really fantastic. Um, I've known him for many, many, many years, and he's a great guy. And uh, he took that picture in his garage. That's really cool. Also, there's another photograph I do have up in the chat room. I think it's from '97. Uh, the pipeline. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was that is where I started. That I love where I, I, I love the show. I, I love the microphone stand, by the way. Oh, with the skeleton hand on it. Oh, I love that. That's good stuff. <laughs> I still got it. It's like, where is it? That's really cool. Oh, it's, it's downstairs. I uh, yeah, I'm upstairs in my loft. I still have that thing. I need to do something like that with my microphone stand to get in the mood. Get the mood right. Yeah, yeah that, that that place, the pipeline, pipeline that was where I played my first gig, May twenty eighth, nineteen eighty nine. Wow, a lot of history yeah. there then. Yeah, I used to play there a lot when I first started because it was like the only place in New Jersey um, that was an alternative club. That's really cool, and I did want to ask you a little bit about. Uh, the magazine that you used to work for, uh, because, you know, when you were working for this magazine, you were actually interviewing a lot of big name guests, including Bowie. Uh, no, no, that's incorrect. I did not interview Bowie. I, I wanted to. And I there's an interesting story to that. I um, as a journalist. I used to have to make connections with the publicists of the record labels in order to get interviews with certain uh, high-profile names. With David, I had to I, – I, I called the publicity company. I, off the top of my head, I can't remember who it is. But I called the publicity company and I talked to his publicist for, for years, two years in fact. And she was – I was very patient with her, and she was very patient with me. And she would send me any time something got released, she sent it to me to review. And I always gave it a good review. Any time he played out, I got VIP tickets to go see him play, and I would write a great review. And she would tell me, just keep doing what you're doing, Mike. She said, you're on a list. And when, he, when it comes down to David doing interviews for um, uh, tabloid magazines, you will eventually be up there. So time goes by and uh, she then like we're, I'm getting closer. I'm climbing the ladder. 
Michael, I got to the point where I was literally, and I kid you not, I was second on the list to interview him when he was ready to do tabloid magazine. That's crazy. By the way, I do have that. um, I think it's an article that you wrote. I have that up on on the chat room there. For what? Uh, There's some sort of uh, magazine clipping here that says by Mike Hideous. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. From when I used to work at the the magazine. A celebration in the garden. Those are my column. That's the images of my column when I used to write it. Anyway, long story short, what happens, I'm second to the top of the list to interview David Bowie. I call the publicist back. I think her name was Mary or Marie. And I call her up to just check in with her to see how things were going and how soon it was going to be until I got that opportunity to interview him. She ends up having quit. Ooh, that sucks. Now they got a new publicist in. I got to start all over again. So I never got to interview him, though I had been to many concerts where he played, where I was right. I was in front of first row. I was like down in the pit where the photographers were, or I would go see him at, a, at a, an intimate club, you know, where there's like maybe 800 people. So I did get that opportunity, but I never got to interview him. So that really killed oh, that me. sucks. That I was a huge Bowie fan. Yeah, that would have been cool to interview that guy. Absolutely. Yeah, he's he's such an interesting character. Uh, I would have loved to have talked to him. So that that does suck that you, uh, you know, you missed out on that opportunity. Well, I wouldn't say you missed out. You kind of were a little bit screwed there. Yeah, I, like I said, the lady she either quit or or got fired. Something happened. She wasn't there. And like I said, I I had to start with a whole new publicist. And start all over again. And I was just so devastated about that because I had waited for two years to get an interview with this guy. And then I have the photo of Robert Smith up now. Uh, him, I sat down with Robert Smith in his hotel. In fact, the whole band, Cure. I sat down with them in their hotel room, uh, actually in the lobby. I did the interview. And after – now, mind you, there's all people lined up to do these interviews. So you each, each one of us got 15 minutes. So – I had a photographer with me, and I sit down with Robert Smith, and I interviewed him. And then after I was done with him, I interviewed the band. Now, I ended up getting more than 15 minutes. I got 30 minutes because they liked me, so he said. And after 30 minutes, I was like, all right, well, thanks, guys. I'm going to get up and go. So Robert Smith, I, I kid you not, Robert Smith says to me, well, where are you going? I said, well, that's it. My 30 minutes is up. I got to go now. He's like, no, don't go. Sit down. Come on. I'll buy you drinks. He said, you stay. He goes, you're the coolest guy that's been here tonight. Stick around. I'll buy you some some drinks. That wasn't it. That wasn't it. After we were done. All right. So so he's doing another interview with somebody else. I'm still sitting at the table with them. And I'm talking to the guys. Uh, I forget all their names. Roger and all the other guys. And one of them says to me, now at the time, Jane's Addiction had dinner, did a reunion tour and uh, they were playing at a place called um, Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. Right. The Hammer. Yeah. Another, this, another classic venue. Sorry. That's right. The show sold out in six minutes. Wow. Could not get tickets. Okay. It sold out in six minutes. So one of the guys from the band says, so are you going to see Jane's Addiction? I'm like, I'm like, I can't. I said, uh, I don't, I don't have tickets. It's sold out in six minutes. He goes, don't worry about it. He goes, you come with us. We'll, we'll go to the concert. We're, we got VIP tickets. You come with us. I said, okay. 
So I had to meet them at the at the um at the venue. So I walk up to Will Call at the window to get to see if they had my name on the list. So I walk up to Will Call. I'm like, yeah, hi. Uh, my name is Mike. I'm with The Cure. Uh, are they here yet? We're supposed to see the band. We've got VIP tickets. They're like, oh, you're with The Cure? Hold on. So she waves over to this guy, and all of a sudden I have, like, these two big bouncers in front of me. They thought I was in the band. <laughs> That's awesome. And it ends up, when they finally showed up, we all went up to uh, to this balcony seat in Hammerstein, and I here I am sitting down with The Cure watching Jane's Addiction in a VIP balcony seat. That's so cool. It, it couldn't have gotten cooler, let me tell you. Did you get drunk? Um, no, I, I'm not a I'm not a big drinker. I mean, I'm not a big drinker, but I would have gotten drunk if it was Robert Smith. <laughs> I mean, I, if he tells me to drink, I'm going to drink. <laughs> yeah, he did buy me. He did buy me a drink. I think he bought me something like a wine, a glass of wine, and uh, that was about it. He was drinking some kind of weird concoction. Um, we had so much fun. He was so nice to me. So cool. I told him at the time, Empire Hideous used to do a cover of uh, one of his songs uh, called All I Want from the album Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me. So I told him that. Um, I said, you know, I, I used to cover one of your songs in my band. And he's like, oh, really? He said, which one? I said, I, you know, All I Want. He's like, oh, I love that song. He said, I just can't remember how to play it. <laughs> That's so funny. But yeah, he that, seems that like a, yeah, he seems like such a nice guy. Oh, it was so fun. I had such a great time with them. Really did. Yeah, he he always came across as someone who was very into the music, someone very intelligent. Obviously yeah, very intelligent. Yeah, and then down to earth, great guy, and of course, that brings me to another character that I did want you to mention here and I believe you also had a bit of a sit down with him and that is one Henry Rollins. Oh, well, I actually did an interview with him over the phone. Oh, okay, uh, I think over the phone. On three separate occasions, uh, I interviewed him. Um, I do remember seeing Henry when he was in Black Flag, when Black Flag played in a, a dive in New, in New Jersey called The Showplace, which is now a strip club. Um, and this was back when, oh my goodness, Either the album My War or Slip It In come out. <laughs> it's been such a long time since I've uh, listened to any of his music, Black Flag in particular, obviously. But yeah. man, uh, <laughs> he's such a wild guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you, it, he was sort of intimidating at first because you don't want to say the, the wrong thing to Henry because... Not to him. Yeah, because he's very... Um, confrontational what he, he says you know so yeah you don't want to take a guy off like him because he'll he'll jump down your throat and, and rip your tonsils out yeah he's a a wild character but uh was was he cool though with you yes i mean every time i interviewed somebody i, I always said right at the beginning listen i'm going to ask you questions some of the questions I've been asked by people who want to know certain things. If there's anything that you don't want to ask or talk about, right. simply say it and we'll move on. But I, you know, sometimes I've asked uh, questions that are, you know, a little controversial or a little uh, intimidating in some sense, and people either answer them 
Well, they don't. Or in the case of like when I've inter- interviewed Glenn Danzig, like I, one of the questions was, uh, somebody told me that you're a bastard to work with, and he was like, oh, "Fuck them." He's like, well, and anybody who says that is a fucking idiot, you know. Um, and he he was kind of right about what he said. He's like, you know, when people, a band like a a, a, a musician like Glenn, who started out in a punk band and and worked the circuit. Here's a guy who finally rises above it all and makes a, a name for himself. And then when you get that 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 get to that plateau, people want to shoot you know shoot you down and chew you out for becoming famous. And then they say you sell you sold out. What you sold out because you you made it. What, so if Empire if Empire Hideous got lucky and and you know got a record deal and we you know we became huge, would that mean I sold out? You want to sell yeah. out. That's kind of the point. It's kind of the point in a sense, yeah. But I mean, well, you want to be a headline act. Why Why would you want to be an opener? Right. So his point was, you know, those people who, who say things like that, they're just jealous. And they, they, they come up with cockamamie ideas just to, just to spit on your, you know, your parade, so to speak. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty common. You see that all the time. And, of course, moving away from Mr. Henry Rollins to another prominent figure in the rock and roll scene, it's yeah. a photograph now I, I put up here with you and Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, goodness. I, I got to hear this one. Oh, boy. Tell me about it. <laughs> Amazing. When, when I got that interview at the, at the newspaper, everybody said to me, you are in for it, man. I'm like, why? You're not going to understand a word he says. I said, oh, come on. How bad could it be? He's British. I can understand what he's saying. <laughs> he's British. I love that. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, come on, how hard could it be? I've heard British accents before. Well, word, word, word. So here I am. I'm at Sony Studios in New York City, and I'm standing in front of the elevator, having pushed the button, waiting for the the doors to open. And I turn to my right, and I look, and who is it? Ozzy Osbourne, his manager. I'm sorry, uh, his publicist. And his one of his kids, one of his sons, uh, just a little tyke at the time. Right. And they're walking towards me, and I'm like, "Oh, holy shit!" So he walks up to me, and I'm like, "Hi, how you doing?" And uh, we we walk into the elevator together, and I'm like, "How's it going? I'm actually here to interview you today." And he goes, and I'm standing there listening to him talk this British gibberish, and I had no fucking idea what the hell he was saying. And uh, I just stood there like with this stupid look on my face, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> and he had me so nervous at that point because I really didn't understand what he was saying. And we got to the floor. The doors open, and he's like, all right, I'll see you later. And he walked out. And I'm like, yeah, so long. That was the floor I was supposed to get off. The doors closed and I kept going up and I completely blanked out because he got me so nervous. <laughs> That's so funny. That I didn't understand what he was saying. <laughs> That's a good story, actually. You're confused by the man, by the Prince of Darkness. Yeah. Needless to say, I, I, I ended up going back down to the floor. 
I walked up, you know, to the desk and I said, yeah, I'm here to interview Ozzy. And they're like, oh, okay. So they put me in this room. And then like 10 seconds later, he walks in and he goes, oh, you're the one who's interviewing me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, that's me. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. And what was Ozzy like? Well, you know what? I tried to do a little tongue-in-cheek and joke around with him a little bit. Ah. And I, 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 one of the questions was like, uh, you know, is what's bat taste like? Chicken? <laughs> and uh, he didn't like that too much. He didn't. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. That that's just fucking. I've I've talked about that too much. So I don't know if he didn't have a sense of humor or if he was having a bad day. I don't know. Some of the things he did open up to me about um, in his interview were drugs and how Sharon saved his life basically from from basically killing himself with drugs. Um, but it is my belief, and I, don't quote me on this. It is my belief that Ozzy had had a stroke. Oh, uh, because of the way I, I watched as he spoke, as he walked, and it looked—he looked like he had some sort of a problem with—I uh, forget which side it was of his body—but it almost looked like he had it. You know, he was suffering or had had been um, recuperating from from a stroke. Right. Yeah, he's been having a lot of uh, health issues as of late, even. Oh, he's an old man. What is he? He's like 70-something? He must be. And I have to say, uh, Sweet Leaf is still my favorite riff, of uh, probably like of all time. Yeah. That's just, you know, you hear that riffing, you know something's going down. <laughs> you know, you hear someone playing that in a in a Pontiac, and you know things are going down. I'll say, yeah. Do you, you know, know, you know the, the album, album, the first album, Black Sabbath? Of course. Yeah, now, tell me, when you look at that album cover with that green witch standing in that that by that house, I mean, is that that? When I saw that picture for the first time, I was four years old. I was a little boy, and my oldest brother had that record, and he had it. I remember being in his room. He had the record player on playing the song Black Sabbath on the album Black Sabbath by. Black Sabbath. And there I am looking at this album cover and the song Black Sabbath is playing. And let me tell you, to this day, every time I listen to that song, I get I get goosebumps because I just remember looking at the image of that witch, that woman on the cover of that album. And it just gave me chills at the age of four years old. Amazing stuff. That kind of reminds me of uh, Merlin Manson when I was young. And saw one of his album covers as well, the Antichrist Superstar. Which uh, is a fantastic album, by the way. And, yeah. And uh, by chance, you also met with Marilyn Manson. Well, it depends on the definition of met. Um, the first time I met Marilyn Manson was when I saw him first play at the Limelight in New York City. Uh, this was before Antichrist Superstar had come out. He was still, they were still supporting, uh, what is it? Family, uh, the first album, what's it called? Family something. I can't remember. Um, I believe that would be, if it was his first album, it's been a while. It was the one that Trent Reznor released, uh, I guess produced with him. Anyhow, it's a portrait of American family. Portrait of an American family. Thank yeah, you. There um, we go. Mm -hmm. So he was still supporting that. So they played at the limelight, and boy, let me tell you, 
I stood on the balcony watching him play, and I was blown away. They were magnificent. Um, and I, I was blown away by his stage performance. So mind you, this is when he was a young, skinny man, and he was absolutely in his, you know, at his peak at that point. So I went backstage, backstage for the um, after party, whatever you want to call it. And I finally got a chance to walk up to him. I talked to him briefly for a bit. You know, we spoke. And then for the longest time, I tried to uh, – I had been sending him my my records, my CDs at the time because I wanted Empire Hideous to open up for him or something. And I also wanted to do an interview with him. That would have been cool. It would have been, but it never worked out. And um, he knew who I was. Like he knew the band. Um, the funny thing is the girl I was going with at the time, she had won some tickets on the radio. Uh-oh. She got to, to, to go to the show. And again, it was at the Hammerstein Ballroom. And she got to meet him backstage. And uh, she was wearing one of my buttons, uh, the Empire Hideous buttons on her jacket. Ah. He goes up to her and he goes, I know that band. That guy calls me and sends me shit all the time in the mail. <laughs> oh, man. But no, I never got to meet him. The only other time I got to see him was at uh, the book signing uh, he did. Threw you under um, the bus there, though. Yeah, I guess you could that's say kind that. of a, you know, That's a prick move, though. Well, you know, he got prickish. really popular, really famous, and whatever. I, I didn't take I didn't take I didn't take it to heart, you know. Uh, Oscar in the chat says Marilyn Manson is fatter than Axl Rose. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. I think he, he might be now. He got really heavy. It's disappointing. I'm very surprised because he got this neck on him. This is what fame does to you, man. You know, you become a radio guy. <clears throat> you get good food and you get yeah. uh, nice cars and big houses and uh, you get fat. By the way, John Fine was already in the band, right? By that time. No, I'm already, John Five. He didn't come till later, right? If, if I remember correctly, the timeline here. That's right. Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. matter of fact, when I was doing Spy Society, uh, oh, what was his name? Um, oh, shit. Uh, the guy who was in his band, he got kicked out. Um, started another band. Um, called the Dolly Gaggers. Oof, terrible name. Uh, yeah, perhaps, but here's the thing. This guy played guitar for Marilyn Manson. And he's dead now, by the way. He died of an overdose like years ago. But um, he had actually contacted me uh, and wanted me to sing for his band uh, back when I was doing SS99. And um, like out of nowhere, I get a call from this guy who was managing him. Uh, again, this was in New Jersey. And he's like, yeah, what was his name? Hold up, let me see. Let me look up Dolly Gaggers if I can find out. Yeah, don't worry. I just put up a photo of Jason, the long-gone Jason Trioxon. Rest in peace. I do have a photograph of him now in the chat there for people could see that. Good. Yeah, I got a couple pictures on my on my web page for him. That's such a trip, though, man. I I was listening to Mister Monster back in two thousand two thousand one to about two thousand three or four. Yep. 
pretty wild stuff, man. I never thought I'd see that guy. Uh, I didn't think he'd die that way because he was involved with so many different bands, you know, and I just always figured this guy, he's just like the ultimate band uh, backup, really. He's like in all these bands, really. Yeah, he was. Yeah. By the way, just so you know, I just so I can finish. Go ahead. The name of the guy was uh, Gidget Gein. Gidget Gein played played guitar for Marilyn Manson, and that was the guy who contacted me to to sing for his band. Ah, very cool. Unfortunately, he's dead now. He was a he was also an artist. Uh, he got out of music. And he followed his art, and then he died of dope. That's terrible. He went out the rock star way, huh? Unfortunately, and, and you know how I found out? I had called him. I, him and I used to speak. And I called him on the phone, and like he didn't answer, and I left a message for him. Two days later, I read that he was dead. Jesus. Yep. What a coincidence. Anyway, yeah, back to Jason. Um, yeah, Jason... Uh, Jason was a good guitar player, you know. I mean, he wasn't like a lead guitar player. He he just he was good. He he picked up fast. He was a good quick learner, and uh, you know he had he had a good punch to his his his, his playing. Um, with all due respect, he wasn't as good as Jeff Austin uh, from Empire Hideous because Jeff's got a completely different style. But um, you know. I, you know what? I don't even think of Jason as a guitarist. I think of him as a friend. Yeah. He was more of a friend to me than he was a guitarist or a musician to me. Um, you know, we hung out. Yeah, you had that relationship with him. Right, mm-hmm. right. We, we, we were we were friends, and that's how I always see him. I'll tell you, when I, when I went to the funeral, uh, actually to the wake, I'm standing. I had gone up and paid my respects at the casket. And then after that, I was in the back. I was talking to Jerry Olney's brother, uh, Kenny. Uh, used to be the the guy who did the Crimson Ghost. Yes, that in the concert. That weirdo. He's a nice guy, actually. I, I, I heard, Kenny. but you know, he's playing the Crimson Ghost. He's got to be a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> well, there I am talking to you know talking to Kenny, and uh, all of a sudden, Jerry Olney appears. Bum bum bum. Actually shook my hand. I couldn't believe it. That was the first time him and I actually. <laughs> did you hear that when you were talking I, to him? I sure did. Yes. Um, I believe it. <laughs> but Jerry shook my hand, said hello. I shook his hand back. I said hello. Um, that was the first. That was the first time I had actually been cordial to Jerry. And, and the, the first time, time I had seen him on on, on that, that level since 1998. Wow. Yep. That's pretty crazy. We, and um, so he was kind of nice to you then. Well, I I mean I think he was just being respectful. Oh, okay. I think he hates my guts. I really do. <laughs> uh, which really pisses me off because here's the guy who I knew for 11 years before I joined the band, and I did so many things for him to help him out. Like with his, his fucking lawsuit against Glenn, had me buying records and, and you know, helping him, like, prepare a, a lawsuit against Glenn. You know, I was young and naive. I just wanted to know a rock star, and, and Jerry only was one of my inspirations. And, uh, you know, he calls me up, yeah, you want to go on tour? I'm like, yeah. So I, I help him out because Michael Graves got fired. Actually, he quit. 
And so here I take the reins and, you know, I'm doing everything I can to try to make it so that I, these guys will make me a steady member. And, uh, you know, then he drops me after the second tour, like doesn't even tell me they just dropped me. And then he has the nerve to tell everybody that I was a black cloud in his life. Let me tell you, if I hadn't joined, if I hadn't quit my job and moved out so that I could go on tour with him, those two tours would never have happened. I saved his fucking ass. I saved the tour by going on tour with them and singing for them as, as their band, as their band singer. And, and he, and he tells me like, he, they don't even want to give me recognition. It pisses me off that he doesn't even want to give me recognition for, for something that I did to save his fucking ass. I played the biggest shows at the time. I had played the biggest shows the Misfits had ever played. Yes, that's true. The biggest live audience, no doubt. And yep. you were a part of that, Mike, and you definitely helped them out. It's kind of unfortunate that he turned out to uh, do this to you in that way. That's right. Yep. Well, you know, that's how it goes with some of these people. Yeah, whatever. I move on, you know. But anyway, a lot of people showed up at the wake. Uh, I saw Steve Zing there from, from Danzig's band. Uh, who else? Uh Oh, oh, goodness, there was a bunch of people there from all different types of bands. So Very cool, yeah. I was I was glad to, to see all the people. There was a line out the door. There must have been 500 people there that night. That's wild. Yeah. Um, I would expect there to be a lot of people. He knew so many different people and was friends with a lot of uh, musicians, so that's not surprising to hear. Yep. Yeah, he's a good guy from yeah. all accounts I've heard. And Mike, um, I got to tell you, you listened to one of my uh, last episodes with uh, Colin Flaherty. <laughs> that was amazing. Yes. I got some heat, actually, from that last episode, uh, Mike. Uh, as you know, Colin Flaherty was on here, and I was being a little fictitious at times on a few things. I, I gave him a purely anecdotal sort of experience of mine, and, you know, I was just messing with him, trying to, trying to get him to pop a little bit. But he, he didn't bite. He went right back to the, the black thing right away. Yeah, I know. I remember you were telling me that uh, he was uh, – he had no – he had no uh, sense of humor. No. He just didn't get it. Yeah, I was just trying to trying to play with him a little bit there, and he, he did not like the Asian thing at all. Do you think he didn't like it or he just didn't get it? I don't – well, I think he kind of misunderstood. That's what I'm thinking. I, I think he might have missed the joke. It might have gone right over his head. Yeah, I was just trying to mess with him a little bit. And well, yeah, he didn't like that, though. But he's a good guy, and he's another guy who's also dealing with cancer, if I believe correctly. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he's did the whole chemotherapy thing recently. Wow. Poor guy. Do you know what kind of cancer? Mm, I, think he, I think he said, I don't know if he said skin cancer. Oh, that's terrible. He said some cancer, though, if I recall. Wow. I gotta, hey, I gotta by go the way, uh, not to interrupt you, but did you hear anything about Michael Aquino? Is he okay? Uh, Michael Aquino, as far as I know, he's okay. He's another guy that I, I definitely need to go back and touch base with and bring him back on the program since I know he, he loves being on here. And, of course, Mike, uh, you could you could jump in here as well when I bring him back. Oh, well, it's uh, always a pleasure. You know, I always appreciate when you have me on. 
yeah, no matter a, what it is. It's a great time. And of course, now, Mike, is that time where we move on to uh, current news. Okay. And, and, and while you do that, I'm going to take, take a quick, quick shot, shot of uh, some medicine, medicine up my nose. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Definitely go ahead. do that. <laughs> yes. And of course, freedom of speech is a really is becoming something that's being limited each and every day here in America. Everything's becoming censored and regulated in ways that are not based on reality. Would you agree on that, Mike? I completely disagree. You, you disagree? Well, let me tell you why. Go ahead. Uh, it is my personal opinion, uh, having observed things that have been going on, it seems to me... Well, you know what? It's interesting how, how I'm going to answer this. On, on one hand, I don't see a lot of um, uh, people being censored uh, on the left, but I do see a lot of people being censored on the right. Yes. So you have a place like Berkeley College where it's supposed to be all about free speech, but anytime a, a right-wing uh, politician or anybody who is a, 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 a Republican or conservative, um, when they go to speak, the leftists stand up and protest it. So you tell me, what's wrong with that picture? How are you allowed to have free speech if people want to protest you and not have you speak? Where, where's the Where's the logic in that? Yeah, that's absolutely a biasness from those who are, you know, in control. That's what I'm saying. And, mm -hmm. You know, I, I see the left talks, says whatever they want, but yet they inflict their views and tell you, this is the way it should be. We're right. You need to listen to us. And that's just the way it is, period. You have, you know, you, 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 you whatever you believe, you are not right. And we're going to not let you speak. And we're going to do everything we can to make you, uh, to, to, to not let people hear you. So it, I don't, I don't agree with that. Yeah. I don't care if you're 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 you know leftist, right wing, conservative, whatever. Everybody should have the opportunity to speak. And if you don't like it, that doesn't mean you go out with some fucking fascist group like Antifa and burn cars, burn buildings, break windows, spray paint, uh, you know, beat people up, uh, throw rocks. This this group of people are doing exactly the opposite of what they say they aren't. They're fascists. Yeah, I agree with you, especially when we go back into technology and, of course, social media. If you offend somebody, they will go back and find any kind of dirt on you and try to get you fired and affect your livelihood. It's really remarkable the time that we do live in, the fact that technology is both positive and negative. And, and the other thing, too, is I've also heard plenty of stories of uh, social medias like Facebook um, when, when conservative or Republicans put up their views on things, their stuff gets censored. Well, that's true. And, and again, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with any of it either. Even, even those whose opinions I don't align myself with, none of my ideologies even align with some of these folks, but... At the same time, I don't want them to be deplatformed or censored at all. 
Right, because right, that's, that's not the American way. way. Now, not at now all. Michael, Michael, you know, and I've told you many times, I was a Democrat, politically correct, liberal Democrat. That's true. You have said for, that. For 26 years, okay? I want anybody who's listening to this know, to know that. So I've been on the other side, okay? However, when I had issues with politics and religion, for that matter, I protested through music. I didn't break windows. I didn't beat people up. I didn't flip cars, uh, you know, set buildings on fire. I protested through music. Yes. There's a lot of, there's a lot of songs that I've written that are politically associated. Yes, anti-religion, uh, lots of anti-religion messages in your music and in your stage presence. More, more fantastic anti-political. Stuff. Well, that more too. Anti-political than sure. anti-religious. But I, I am referring to the photograph of you uh, with the writing "fuck religion" on yeah, your you know, stomach. You want to know why I said? <laughs> you want to know why I had that written on my chest? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. When Empire Hideous got back on the scene in 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 two thousand two, this was after nine eleven. Ah, okay. Um, that was a crazy. Fans, that was a crazy time to be alive. Uh, out there right. in New York, that it was rowdy. Right, and everybody, right. all the old fans were saying, Mike, all your life, all you did was write songs about the apocalypse and how it was going to happen, and, and here it is. Now you need to come back. So when we came back, uh, what I began seeing were these terrorist attacks. Yes. And let's be clear. Very clear. Let's be clear. Not all Muslims are terrorists, but all terrorists have been Muslim. So I began seeing, you know, for all my life, in 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 the, in the late '80s and all through the '90s, up to 2001, I had written songs about Christianity. Okay, because that was something I knew about. That was something I grew up. At. You know, I was born and raised a Roman Catholic. Affirmative, yes. And so, so you know, know I, I I spoke out about Catholicism, yeah. Christianity. Then I am introduced to this so-called peaceful religion called Islam, and I see images of them cutting people's heads off, throwing homosexuals from roofs, uh, caning women, uh, stoning women, some. Uh, Mike, some Christians will say they are more in tune with religion than most Christian men are. That is, well... Isn't that insane? (laughs) There's some people that believe that, though. Right, and you've got a point there, because they follow the Koran to doctrine, all right? I don't know if I'm saying that right, but they, they, they follow the Koran to the very word. Now, the fucking book was written in, the what, the 700s? I believe so. Or the 600s, one or the other... And let's face it, even the, even the Christian Bible was written in 300 uh, BC, uh, AD, and it has since been modified, okay? The two religions, Muslim and Christians, had been fighting for a thousand fucking years in, 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 in the Middle East, okay? Everybody fighting over Jerusalem. Uh, it's a fucking piece of land. Who the fuck cares? It, it, that's how fucked up religion is. People will kill you for it. Yeah, it's dangerous. Then they claim how it's all about love and peace. Fuck you, okay? That's why I wrote on my chest, 
fuck religion. I because agree. Yes. I had uh, – since 9-11, all right, when 9-11 happened, two years after for, – for two years, there were more than – don't quote me on this, this number. There were more than I think a thousand terrorist attacks and they were all created by Muslims. So I – became very prejudiced of the Muslim religion um, because, let's face it, I'm not I'm – not, I don't want to see people die. And if you're going to tell me that your religion is about peace, well, you've got a lot to learn. I'm a Satanist, and there has never, not ever, once ever been any incident with a Satanist attacking a church – synagogue a school or mosque a school, school yeah whatever the fuck you want to no satanist has ever created a uh terrorist attack now there have been some fucking lunatics out there who have sacrificed uh, other kids and and stuff like that you know those kids down in florida and it, so you know yeah there's a couple of wackos that have been involved in satanism because these are the kai these are the ones who like you know hell satan man rock and roll now that's not the kind of satanism i believe in Yes. No. I, I I believe in a, my my belief in in modern Satanism is all about being responsible for your own actions and being able to create your own success. Um, but the Muslim religion, I'm sorry, but that is one of the most fucked up religions I I have I've ever learned about, and and I've read quite a quite a. Quite a bit about it. I've read, you know, a lot of portions of, of the Quran. Uh, I've read books on terrorism. And these people are really messed up. They really are messed up. And and what you just said about them being more in tune with religion than Christians, it's true. Because, as I said, they, they read every word in the book of the Quran, word for word, and they, they live by it. Doctrine. Yeah, I agree. And of course, that's one of the issues I've always had with those who are hardcore Bible thumpers. I always bring up the Old Testament and we get into the, well, not here on the show, but in person, I seem to get into this argument with, with um, different religious folks over the years. And I get into this conversation with them and they tell me, you know, everything in the Bible is God's word and this and this and that. And then, of course, I bring up the Old Testament and I start saying, well, there's a lot in here that I doubt you would fully agree on, like stoning your own children. They disobey yeah. you. And of course, <laughs> that's when we have a big conundrum and they get all angry and they say, well, so and so and so. And that's why we have the new test. And it's just like, you know, you can't really do that. Well, you, you got to understand, understand the book. book first of all, it, it was written. The original book was written, you know, 300 A.D. And it's been modified multiple times since then. And what do they call that when, when they, they modify it? Um, oh, I forget. There's a word for it. But uh, all the religions did it. Judaism did it. Uh, uh, Christianity did it. And they modify their the writings. See, basically the, the Bible is a book of stories of, of good, good deeds, deeds for, for the most part, part. for the most part. <clears throat> and, 
And what it what it comes down to is it, it basically teaches you how to be a good person to your neighbor, to your brother. Right. You know, um, and I agree with that. Look, I, I, I wish this world was was a better place. I really do. I wish there was a, a world that we could live in where everybody was happy and peaceful and in harmony. But that's not reality, though. That's just not reality. Yeah. Humanity is a vicious, violent animal. We are no different than the tiger, the lion, the jaguar, the wolverine, uh, the spider. We are no different than animals on this planet. I agree. Just like the Russians say, man is wolf to man. Precisely. I agree. And, and, and that's what, that's what too many, that's what a lot of liberals and, and politically correct people are, are fail to see. They're out of touch with reality. They're out of touch because, you know, they want to be, they're, they're so hell bent on being politically correct and liberal. Oh, I've got to, I've got to be able to show the Muslims that I'm, I'm a loving person. Well, you know what? If you were in Saudi Arabia or Iran for that matter, and you try to say, well, you know, I come from America and I'm a Christian and I love, so therefore I should be able to walk around. Me and my wife should be able to walk around in bikinis and, um, you know, and I'm gay and, you know, there shouldn't be any worry about it because love and peace. And you know what? They would not hesitate to cut your fucking head off in the, in the blink of an eye. That's true. They would behead you um, almost right away. Right. So the point is this. Um, we are the only country in the world, more so than England, more so than any, any Canada. We are the most liberal, politically correct country in the world. That's why every fucking person wants to come into this country, despite every asshole who says, oh, we're all a bunch of racists. Oh, uh, this country was never great. Oh, we had slaves. Oh, we did the, you know what? Yeah, we made some mistakes, but you know what? Everybody wants to come here. So you tell me, if we're so racist, why they all want to come here? Yeah, good point. The problem is not every country is politically correct and, and liberal as we are. We are the most accepting. We help out every country in the world. Oh, you need a billion dollars? Here you go. Um, you know, you need aid for a tsunami? Here you go. Oh, you need this for a medicine? Here you go. How bad can we be? This might piss people off, but I don't think we should have gotten rid of Saddam Hussein. We, we shouldn't have gotten rid of Saddam Hussein. I don't think we, we should have, have gotten rid <laughs> that was of. That a mistake. Uh, yeah. Who do you think put him in them in, into power? We well, did. We did. Yeah. We shouldn't have gotten rid of uh, uh, Gaddafi. Um, there was that uh, the other guy from Turkey whose name escapes me, and another guy from Egypt, as well as the guy from Syria, uh, whatever his name is. These people are put there for a reason because when these religious freaks in these Muslim countries get going, they'll kill everybody. Look at look at the Islamic State. They they, they killed. They not only killed just about everybody who didn't go along with them, but they destroyed artifacts that were three thousand fucking years old just because they said it was blasphemous. Insane. It really religion, is. Religion, man. Yep. Sometimes I think religion uh, is just completely dangerous for the mind. 
It is. And, and you know, if you really think about it, Michael, the only reason religion was ever, and let me be clear, the only really religion, the only reason religion was ever invented by man is because in the dark ages, man needed something to make him feel good. So what did he do? He created the God of the sun. He created Excuse me. He created the God of the moon, you know, of the moon, right? God of the, 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 the water and the ocean and God of the birds and the fucking fish and the bears and the, the mosquitoes. And, you know, there was a God for everything. So they created gods to make themselves feel better. So God is an invention of man. I don't care what you say. You can't change my mind. Any religious people out there, you cannot change my mind. We are a cosmic accident. We are going to be on this planet until we die and then we're gone. The only reason we believe in, in, in blind faith with absolutely no proof that a God exists is simply because we made it up. Yeah, no burden, be, no burden of proof. Right. I, did you see the movie Prometheus? I did. Uh, the alien. Prometheus, the alien movie, right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You, you, you saw the, the, uh, the, the follow-up to that alien covenant? Yeah, which was very unusual because I thought, why are they playing up the whole Prometheus angle here? Well, here's what I was going with, um, mm-hmm. with, that, with that story. is um, I'd be happy if I found out that humanity was created as a science project from aliens who came to this planet some believe that i it's 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 a possibility it's, i mean yeah. let's let's face it well i mean we i'm sure you believe that there's intelligence out there right of course i don't think we're the only thing out here it'd be kind of lonely if we were the only thing out here right. i think you know we we did come from somewhere else there are some people who say that um you know when the comets crashed into the earth millions and billions of years ago that um the comets were actually carrying the microbes that were the seeds to life yeah microorganisms right that's um the theory of uh panspermia which uh, i fully believe uh, personally speaking, that is, it's it's a it's a very believable theory, you know, um, and 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 what I was getting to is like you know I'd be happy to know that 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 some greater intelligence, some greater being, came to this planet or or whatever, just started it by who knows who knows who knows. It's, it's very interesting though. Yeah, it's very um, interesting to have this sort of uh, thought in your mind. For those out there who are listening to this, definitely human origins is always something that's very fascinating to talk about and contemplate. Exactly. And, um, you know, it, 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 I, I just can't put, I, I can't be a person who puts my belief in blind faith. I, I can't do it. I need proof. I need proof. Well, that's just having a rational mind, Mike. I, I would think so. It's common sense, right? right? I think so. You don't want to go and believe things you can't exactly prove all the time. Right. You need and tangible evidence. Exactly. That's why I'm so into science. I, I believe in science. A lot of people have always claimed science to be the work of the devil. Because <laughs> That's right. Because it's true, though. Yeah. 
knowledge has always been considered an act of the devil. I mean, if you go back into the Bible, I mean, the um, uh, the, the 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 what was it? The tree of knowledge, the, tree of knowledge, the Garden of Eden. Eden. Uh, you know, you eat the apple, and and your eyes are opened, and you can't have that now. Right. According to to, to Christianity, you can't. According to the laws of God, you can't. Why? Why can't we know what Earth is about? What what the universe is about? What what great taboo is that? Indeed. Very good point there, Mike. And Thank of you. course, we come next to uh, Jesse Smollett yet again. Ugh. Yes, all Guilty. charges dropped. Former Michelle Obama aide reportedly played role in getting charges against Jesse Smollett dropped. <clears throat> Very interesting. It's another O.J. Simpson trial, right? Guilty. Yes, I'm still wondering, Mike, if they caught those two Nazi white trash homophobes <laughs> shouting uh, "mega country" or whatever they're <laughs> shouting. That's a that, that's a that's a completely uh, egregious. Uh, like I said before, they even they even have wow. um, uh, confessions from the two black guys who he hired to do this devious deed. The Nigerian guys, yeah. Right. And they, they – I don't – I can't remember what they did. I, I think they either confessed or, or something. But you know, these guys are saying right out, you know, he hired us to do it. It's really crazy. And he's I don't know what lying happened. through his teeth. I, I, I can't believe it. I don't know what happened there. It just and goes you know, to show you I, I got to stop you. I got to oh, stop go you. ahead. When we were talking before um, with Susan, she had mentioned that she wanted um, Warren to, to, to be a woman, uh, Elizabeth to be a Warren. president. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question. What? Just because a person is a woman, we, we they should be president? Well, I mean, this country voted for Obama, you know, over a woman, so that should tell you something. Who, who ran against him? What woman? Uh, Hillary. Did she? Well, she ran, you know, against Obama. In yeah, in the Democrat Party, right? Yeah. I, I forgot. It's been mm -hmm. so long. But let me tell you something, man. Uh, Obama and Hillary aside, we all know at this point Hillary's a criminal. I believe she uh, is. It's just a matter of time until they, 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 they investigate this situation and prove that everything has been as a result of the Clintons. Now, that aside... All I'm saying is what we got to have a we have to have a woman president because she's got a vagina. What that makes her a good president? Come on, you 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 elect an, a, a, a a candidate for their ideas, not because they have a vagina or a penis. Yeah, not for their sex. Right. So all I'm saying is. Yeah, you're a woman. You got good ideas. Hey, I'll vote for you, but don't tell me I got to vote for a woman just because we need a fucking woman in office. That's bullshit. Amazing. And of course, I did want to get your opinion, Mike, on the 2020 election. Now that we are uh, speaking about this one, and I'm just curious, you know, hypothetically speaking, who you think could actually outdo Trump? Uh, Joe Biden, out of all people, is consistent. Uh, he's consistently leading the Democratic presidential uh, candidates for the 2020 primary yeah. polls. Joe Biden is ahead of everybody, which is just bizarre to me. Yeah, well, 
Uh, I, I know you don't like Trump, and I, I respect you for that. That's fine. It's not that I don't like Trump. I do like the guy. Uh, some personal things about him I, I do like because he is a bit of an alpha male. And I think that I think it's great. I don't see anything wrong with that. But there are some other things I don't agree with him on. But there's no one in this world that I agree with 100%, though. 100%. Exactly. I agree with that. But that he was the logical choice, in my opinion, even though I didn't vote for him. I didn't even vote the last two elections. I wasn't, I wasn't quote-unquote, allowed. Why is that? Uh, for some odd reason, it seems like the first time when Obama was running for the first time in 08, I believe it was, uh, you know, I voted and... Uh, you know, the lady looked at the paper and all of that, and I got it back in the mail as a non-complete. And it happened twice. So I got I got the message. I thought, okay, so my vote doesn't count then, so I'm just not going to vote at all. I see uh, how it is. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> who, if I may ask, and, and you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to, but who did you vote for when, when uh, in 2008? Well, I didn't vote for Obama. Okay, did you vote, may I ask, did you vote Republican or Democrat? I think I voted for a Republican. Okay. And I'm, and not, being... I'm not a Republican, by the way. I Neither. was registered uh, as a Green Party. Uh, I guess that was, yeah, that was my political affiliation, actually. I was part of the Green Party. Gotcha. And that's cool. I, I respect that because I'm not a Republican either. I'm not. Nor, yeah. nor am I a Democrat. I'm not I was neither. a Democrat, but never again. And I'm, I'm certainly not a Republican. I'm an independent. Yeah, let, let's, um, just, let's just do this right now, by the way, Mike. I, I wanted to let it be known that I'm not affiliated to any political party. Uh, I'm not enough of this or that to be accepted. Very much like my own race. I'm a bit of a hybrid and I'm not accepted by anyone either. So, you know, I've always been on the outside, Mike. I understand that. So here, here's where I'm going with that. You're telling me that you got your paperwork sent back to you twice? Twice, man. You, you, are, you are a citizen, right? Of course. I was born here. I, I don't understand why this would happen. Did you do it wrong? Allegedly, I did it wrong, but the ladies looked over it both times. And I... Before I could even put it in there, they looked, they looked through the whole thing to make sure... It was completed correctly and accurately, and uh, both times I did, and both times I got it back a couple months back in the mail, and now, I was just stunned. It, 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 is, is this the paper where you color in the little dots? I believe so. And you did it wrong? Allegedly, they say I did, but again, I had this uh, the woman check it twice. That, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem right at all. I even, first of all, I even told my... I even told my old man about that. First of all, you should never have to show your, your ballot ticket to anybody. It should be private, number one. Agreed. Uh, num number two, next time you do this, make sure you get uh, a sample before you fill out your document. And do you know, this way you know exactly what you have to do. But, but don't, don't let these people look at your, your ballot. Don't, don't let them look at it at all. Right. Never right. let anybody see it. You know, make sure it goes right to where it's got to go. That, that's the thing with, with, with voting these days. Uh, you know, when I was a boy. It just pissed me off. I didn't know what the hell that was all about. Right. And, and, and here's what I'm getting at with this is that when I was a boy, my parents used to tell me all the time, voting is a private 
privilege, a private right that we have. I heard that, that too. Yeah. Nobody else needs to know what your preferences. You, if you're a demo, if you're a Democrat or Republican, I shouldn't know. If you want to let let it be known, then fine. But you know, for the longest time, I didn't like the fact that when I came, when I moved out here to Pennsylvania and I got my license. Do you know they asked me? Are you Republican or Democrat? I'm like, what do you mean? Hmm. Are you Republican or Democrat? I'm like, that's none of your business. That's strange. Yeah. I had to fill it out on my fucking license in order to get my license. I said to them, if I don't tell you what what party I'm with, you're not going to give me my license? No, we can't. you got to be kidding. That's crazy. So, you know, today I feel like there's so much – corruption going on and i gotta tell you i feel like it's more with the left than it is with the right i hate to say it but it, it seems that way well i mean just look at jesse smollett right who was that woman who was questioning oh shit uh just recently uh not kavanaugh um somebody else who was Trump's ex-lawyer, I think it was, what's his name? Starts with a C, I think. Anyway, he was being questioned by a woman who had previously been caught uh, uh, changing ballots or or something like that. Uh, she was like stuffing ballots for the for the left. I'm like, how, how is this possible? How could you have a woman still part of this government when she was already caught stuffing ballots? Yeah, that's maddening. So you're not going to vote for Kamala Harris then? <laughs> In other words. Probably not. <laughs> well, Joe Biden is leading the pack, and he's beating out uh, Bernie Sanders, who's also in ah. second there. And uh, we all know Bernie about Bernie. Sanders, come on. Bernie's an, <laughs> Bernie is an idiot. He's a freak. I've and, heard and, that and before, too. And a bigger idiot than him is that stupid, stupid, stupid AOC idiot from, from, from New York City, the bartender. Oh, we we gotta have, get rid of cows and 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 airplanes, and the whole world is gonna die in twelve years. Oh, you mean fucked up? What do you mean? Idiot. You're talking about AOC. AOC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's an interesting lady. She is stupider than a doorknob. <laughs> yes, she's a an interesting one indeed. And of course, there's a Beto O'Rourke. That madman. Hang on, hang on, Michael. I got to ask you this. Go ahead. Now you know who Nancy Pelosi is, right? Of course, I know that witch. <laughs> One of the richest women, okay, in America. All right, her and her husband. Can you imagine what was going through her mind when Aok said, "We've got to start taxing the rich. We've got to, we've got to take away from them." And, you know, they're making too much. Could you imagine what was going through her mind? This is a woman who's, you know, got a huge fortune, you know, walls around her house. She's very wealthy. What's that? She's very wealthy. She sure is. She's got walls around her house with security guards who have guns. And yet, you know, she doesn't want the wall in, in on Mexico. But, you know, so this woman has got all this money. And now they've got this 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 dumb moron stating that the rich have to give things up. Could you imagine what was going through her mind? Like, what have I done? I don't think she was too happy. 
And you're talking about uh, Alexandria Cortez, indeed. Yeah, AOC. Right. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to start calling her that now. AOC. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, she's uh, she's uh, very strange indeed, uh, but not as strange as that Beto O'Rourke guy. He's somewhere on top of a table yelling right now. Oh, my goodness. I, I've heard about him. He's a madman. Fruitcake. Um, you know what? Listen, man, I got to say one thing. I I wish the world could be a better place. I do, too. Fuck the world. I wish this country could be a better place. Fuck the world. This, this country. This is where I live. America. The greatest fucking country in the world. I wish things could be so nice and pleasant. But the, the, the fact of the matter is... We just don't live in that kind of world, and we never will. We never will. It's just how humanity is. We have been fighting for 20,000 years since we were cavemen. Yes, and it just seems like that's just going to keep going on and on. The crisis around the world doesn't seem to ever stop. I guess it's too profitable. Yeah. Someone's making a lot of money out there. And it's not me or you, Mike. That's right. I, I'm not making a dime. I am busted right now. I really am. I'm not kidding. I'm busted. I'm I'm like selling my artwork and t shirts and artwork just to and, and records just to just to you know get just to some make money. It, yeah. I understand how the how all that goes, yeah. But gotta be strong. Yeah, gotta keep yeah, hustling. Right. Gotta keep pushing forward. Absolutely right, Michael. Oh yes. So, Mike, I do want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program yet again. It's been a fun time once again here. It's pretty crazy how fast this went by. Almost four hours here. Ugh. Can you believe that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Damn, it's been that that long. Yeah, it was a, a long two hours. What a show. Yeah, I, I want to say thank you very much, Michael. It's always, always fun, and it's always an honor uh, to do this show with you. I really appreciate it, and I, I love doing it with you. Yeah, that was amazing. Thank, yeah, thank you so much, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll we'll do it again, Mike, in the near future. And again, thank you from all of us out here who really do appreciate you each time. You grace us with your presence, Mike. <laughs> I'm sure I made a lot of more enemies tonight. <laughs> That's okay. That's the fun part. Well, in any event, let me just sign off by saying, you know, Empire Hideous is going to be uh, playing some gigs here on the, the East Coast. Um, if anybody is interested in knowing um, uh, what's going on, just go to Hideous Mike Facebook page. Hideous Mike. And Mike is M-Y-K-E. So it's Hideous Mike Facebook page. That's my fan fan page. And there's also um, MikeHideous.com. And in the next, probably in the next week or two, I'm going to have a new website up of my artwork and photography called HorribleArtwork.com. Very nice. So once again, Mike, thank you so much for being here. And you, for those that are curious, the name of his book, King of an Empire to the Shoes of a Misfit, second edition, The Memoirs of Mike Hideous. Find that at, at, at Amazon.com, right? 
No, no, no. no. Only through oh. my um, mykidious.com. Mykidious.com. Sorry about that, folks. Go there. Okay. Get the book. It's going to be amazing. You'll like it. It's a fantastic book. I have it. I think it's amazing. Uh, great stuff, Mike. Always an honor and a pleasure to have you on board here. And we'll do this again. Anytime, Michael. I'm always here for you. Let me know. Thank you so much, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Good night. Mahalo. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, that was Mr. Mike Hideous, a great man, a great guest indeed. And of course, it's that time to wrap up the program here again, boys and girls. That was amazing. And of course, I do want to thank the international listeners out there in the UK, Canada, Australia, Netherlands, France, Ireland, Sweden, Spain, and Germany. Really appreciate all of you great people out there and also would like to thank Deprogrammed Radio and all of you in the chat room. It was fun. I hope you enjoyed that one. And of course, keep in mind, if you enjoy the program and want to help fund the program, please go to michaeldeacon.com, right-hand side of your screen, and hit that little donate button. I would appreciate that tremendously. I would like to thank the chat room once again for all the fun and entertainment And for those who are listening on replay, keep in mind every Saturday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, you can catch this little shindig live and direct on YouTube. And of course, later on in the replay, make sure to subscribe on iTunes and Google Podcasts, I I think it's called, and all sorts of various podcast platforms ladies and gentlemen please go to michaeldeacon.com for all that information i'm michael deacon and with that said the world is a mysterious place and life itself is a mystery until next time good night everybody